Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another show. RC After Hours back in the studio for another fun and exciting podcast here. We're going to talk about a new airplane tonight, which is always exciting. I love talking about new stuff. And we got some guests tonight that are going to join us and help us out with this new product. So heck with it. Let's jump right in. In the Great White North, up there on the TV screen, <laughs> is the one and only Andre the Tree Russo. Andre, how are you? <sighs> it's snowed, okay? So I know. That, you, you know what? This time last week, I was in Texas, and it was warm, and yes. now I've got snow. So this is it's been a hard week, folks. But, yes. Uh, hi! Yes. <laughs> and our special guests joining us, uh, we have one guest reoccurring and two new special guests. So first off, really don't have to give him a special introduction, but he is one of our favorite guests, is the ever-talkative Alpha Enos from Motion RC. That is all. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> and our other two special guests joining us for the first time ever uh, is Tony and Evelyn Accurso. How are you this evening? We're doing great. How Fan- are you guys? Fantastic. Thank you for coming on the show, hanging out with us, and uh, helping us talk about this new airplane that we're going to jump into here in just a couple seconds. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to pull up some specs. Uh, of this beast here in just a second and talk a little bit about it and throw it on the big screen but man it's got to be exciting for this thing alpha uh the new airplane out now is the f-22 uh it's a 90 millimeter edf jet from free wing and it is a beast. And before we get into some flying reviews and in-depth information from alpha i'm going to read a little bit about it and it is for pre-order right now estimated shipping is going to be right around december 26 but the new f-22 raptor with the nine blade 90 millimeter edf jet from free wing is the fifth generation fighter delivers cutting edge advances in low observable stealth capabilities enhanced computer assisted agility and precision combat capability The free-ring F-22 is a flying RC replica of the innovative fighter jet, boosting both the lowest stall speed and one of the highest top speeds among all free-wing jets. Be prepared to fly a wide flight envelope with this visually stunning model aircraft. It is capable of maneuvers most other EDF jets can only dream of, and our design team considers it a performer and a trainer in one. It measures a whopping 1,500 millimeters in length with a wingspan of 1060 millimeters assembled from an array of materials including EPO foam, aluminum, carbon fiber, steel, nylon, plastic, and wood. The Freewing F-22 delivers extreme maneuverability, reliable durability on grass runways. The model aircraft features a mix of sharp panel lines, graduated paintwork, and realistic decals, more than 15 colors of paint and decals combined to represent a subtle but complex surface shades and panels seen on the full-size F-22. The model's main colors appear to slightly shift depending on the light conditions with the metallic matte and semi-gloss surfaces working to achieve the subtle effect. This isn't your average plain gray jet. Main assembly is completed primary with screws and attached to the flying surfaces, the full wing flying stabilizers, 
metal shafts rotate within steel bearings. That's interesting. For smooth operation in their servos, along with the aileron and flap servos, are housed within plastic trays for easy removal and servicing. As with the recent popular freewing 80mm L39, this freewing 90mm F22 cockpit is also lined with thin plastic to resist heat damage to the darker cockpit surfaces. The main wings disconnect conveniently with a flexible ribbon wire cable, which smartly reduces the load ex- exerted on the actual electronic connections. A magnetic nose cone encased in molded plastic with raised surface details can be removed easily to reduce the model's length during transportation to your flying field. Finally, an onboard MFCB supports expansion of up to eight additional LEDs aside from the sequential landing lights. Simultaneously capable of extreme expert level maneuvers, and sedate trainer-like flying, the widened gear stance and larger-than-scale grass-appropriate wheels greatly improved ground handling on short grass one- runways. The servo-operated nose gear door is also aided by recessed magnets to help hold the door shut during flight. Even without flaps, the model can take off in less than 100 feet. In-flight pattern, the F-22 really shines. It is highly maneuverable and very difficult to stall. It can be flown at high angles of attack, including high alpha and wild maneuvers, including Cobra, inverted, Inelmans, etc. Overall, our extreme capabilities in the hands of expert RC pilots, the Freewing F-22 can also be cruised comfortably at 40-50% to throttle for stable flying as a 90mm jet trainer or RC pilots moving up from a 70-80 to jet size. In the landing pattern, flaps are not required to slow the model down to a long and level descent. If flaps are used, please see the manual for appropriate mixing. Comes in a plug-and-play version. Standard version is a 90mm EDF with all-new 9-blade, single-piece, impeller, factory balance for precise operations. Paired with a 3748-1750 kV outrunner brushless motor and 130-amp ESC, the deluxe 8 cell version features a 90 millimeter 12 blade impeller also molded molded as a single unit and factory balance mounted to a powerful 4075 1390 kV in runner brushless motor and a 150 amp ESC the F22's maximum level airspeed has been measured at 106 miles an hour and 119 between the standard and the deluxe versions. Oh my gosh. Uh, real quick too, this customization possibilities with your model. Motion RC has also provided free downloads of 3D printable files for a complete 3D cockpit set, ejection seat, static display, AM9, and static display intake and exhaust covers. Format are optimized for printing on common FDM type printers and require very minimal assembly. For additional challenge, a canopy frame set is also available for models who want to experiment with fabricating their own servo-driven opening canopy function. Wow, that's a lot of stuff, Alpha. So let's jump into it. Let me get you guys. Uh, <laughs> man, I don't know where to start with this thing. Uh, why the? I mean. Were the F-22, was it something everybody was requesting or was it just something you really wanted to put out there? You know, Tony and Evelyn, were they were part of our dev team for the F-15, which is a Freewing's third 90-millimeter Superscale series aircraft a few years ago. It feels mm-hmm. like yesterday, but it's actually been quite a while. And uh, the F-15 
15 and F-22 for our aviation historians out there, it's well known. The F-22 is really sort of envisioned as the aircraft that was going to replace the F-15. As circumstance has it, F-15 is is uh, doing very well out in the theater theaters of conflict throughout the world, and so it's still around. Um, but even while in the model world we were producing that F-15, we 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 wanted to sort of test that market for a single 90 uh, twin tail, in that case a cruciform tail setup, and 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 see if we could again find that balance between weight and performance, cost and scale fidelity, and all those sorts of things. Um, so back then we had the idea to do the F-22. It just at the time didn't seem to make a lot of sense to do the Raptor first mm-hmm. um, for, for a variety of reasons. The LX uh, Twin 70 F-22 was still in production back then, and, and we really wanted to move forward with the world's first F-15. Um, but you know now the time has come, as we are fond of telling people, if, as long as we're around, we're going to continue to make exciting aircraft. And and uh, thankfully, we're still around. So, so, so next in line is is Project Foil, which is which is that F twenty two. The idea with it is that it's really another part in the evolution of our other ninety millimeter aircraft. The most recent being the F four at the top of this year. Each of them are a little bit different. Each of them they have some sort of similarities in how they fly, but we want them to we also want them to have something a little different to say something a little different about us, about our sort of philosophy on models, on the diversity that we can bring on power systems and balance and wing loading and category specialities. And the F 22 being the most recent is sort of our, it's really going back to the beginning. It's going back to trying to get a 90 millimeter sized aircraft that can fly like a trainer. Um, not your very first airplane, but your, yeah. your, your sort of first 90 millimeter aircraft. You, for those of our customers who a year ago fell in love with our 64 millimeter park jet series, we see a new generation of pilots who came in with the 64s. They've spent the year flying their, their 70s and now their Avantis and the 80 millimeter size. Mm-hmm. And now they're looking at that 90 millimeter class. So mm-hmm. Guys like Tony, people like Evelyn, they, George, Steve are our core friends. They they have all the all the previous generation of ninety millimeters, and the F twenty two is sort of our love letter to all of our new generation of customers who are joining the fray, saying, "I want to be able to fly something big too, but not necessarily have to fly it really fast, and and have to deal with them um, with uh, with a more testy." Uh, flight envelope like some of our heavier wing loaded 90 millimeters tend to have right Mm -hmm. this may be a dumb question but i'm going to ask it anyway because maybe there's a few other people wondering the same thing alpha do you find on a new style aircraft like the f-22 the way it's shaped and the aerodynamics everything obviously it's a new generation fighter aircraft right off the bat when you guys start developing it and you're testing it and, and Tony, maybe even you can jump in on this too since you have a lot of jet experience. Do you find that something like this newer version or an F-22 right off the bat, you notice that it flies better, maybe not only faster, slower, and overall performance than, say, like an older jet uh, or a trainer or something of of that sort? Does that make sense? Am I wording that correctly? It definitely has a different personality. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd say the the F-4 
was a brute of an aircraft. I mean, mm-hmm. the real aircraft is not aerodynamic. Essentially, right. it, it achieves its speed by power. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we obviously need to emulate the shape and are sort of constrained by that shape. The F-22 is an aircraft that's intended to super cruise at Mach 1, 1. 5, I believe it is, without lighting afterburners. So, yes, it's aerodynamic in some sorts of some sorts of ways, but there is a limit with RC because again, air does not scale. So mm-hmm. we try to, we, the short answer is maybe there's a, there's a character inherent in the aircraft design that makes it easier to make, or he's going to make it obviously the, the Raptor is going to be very acrobatic uh-huh. um, compared to something like the F4, which is much more straight line. Uh-huh. But some of that, we really sort of have to, force the aircraft into behaving like that to try and emulate again what the real thing does. But Tony's got good stick time for both of these aircraft. He being one of our core customer uh, test evaluators for, for both of those planes. So Tony, what do you think between F4 and F22 on differences on those types of uh, characteristics? Yeah, the F4 is really a great fast flying airplane. It does all the maneuvers really well. The great thing about the F22 and the, th- the five flights I have on it now um, is that it's what I call the in the box airplane, which is within the length of the runway, you could put that airplane into a series of maneuvers really low, really tight, and it's extremely forgiving uh, where you don't have to carry a lot of speed to pull off those maneuvers. With the F-4, you got to carry a little bit more speed mm. so that you don't get yourself in a situation where you're going to get in a stall or mm-hmm. even on the approach. If you're making a tight turning approach, the airplane will drop a wing and can bite you where the 22, you can really slow that airplane down high alpha in crazy attitudes like the real 22 hmm. and uh, the airplane behaves really well in a slow speed configuration as well just like we see at air shows with it with the raptor you never really get to see the airplane fly mock uh, which i'm fortunate <laughs> to get to see it fly mock here at edwards but uh, for most people they're seeing the airplane in a tight box flying some pretty crazy maneuvers and this model emulates those maneuvers very well Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Tony, one of our first questions we got coming in, too, is uh, can you talk about the F-22's grass performance at all? Well, I haven't flown it off of grass, but there are some videos that have been put up by James of some grass uh, takeoffs and the airplane handled grass. No problem. I was just flying it on Saturday and did some power off steep descent uh, touchdowns, really hard impact touchdowns just to evaluate the landing gear since I hadn't tested this particular aircraft. And, uh, boy, you want to talk about robust. This thing took a strong impact, two of them. Uh, the struts compressed, looked, <laughs> picked it up, flipped it over, no damage to the foam at all. So kudos to uh, Alpha and the design team for building another robust landing gear setup on this, this particular jet. Hmm. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, Alpha, I'm intrigued on the paint scheme on this, reading about it, and, and I was looking at the different photos earlier about it and how, you know, even at the different angles, it looks like it's a little different color, different shades. How tough was that to, to get that, or was it pretty easy? It was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be going into it. <laughs> um, f- for your listeners, the F-22 uses of it. Uh, it's a, it's a, we could talk for hours and hours about this, but essentially F-22 incorporates stealth technology in not just its, its physical shapes and contours, but also in its paint. There's, there's certain types of additives that we've talked a little bit about this in depth in the Hobby Squawk uh, forum, uh, talking about the F-22's paint job specifically. But suffice to say, the, the characteristics, the visual characteristics of the real F-22's uh, paint and its treatments that go on on that on that aircraft surfaces impart what I call sort of a reflexive, almost like a transflexive um, 
behavior to, to our eyes. What does that mean? Well, <laughs> anyone who Googles F-22 Raptor, you'll notice that you rarely see one that's the same color as another. Right. Um, even the same aircraft, when viewed from different angles, there are different shades. If, if you if you look at the gun at the, at the darker uh, gunship gray upper surfaces of the aircraft, certain angles and in certain light patterns, it is it's metallic. In others, it's very dark. In others, it's sort of saturated. So we we try to emulate that in in the model. And what it came down to was instead of, for example, with our F fifteen, which is the base gray, and then we use a hard paint mold and shoot an opaque darker gray over it with this aircraft we we put about 10 different colors of paint on it um the plastic leading edges and then sort of capped tips those are a different gray um even the decals there are uh, 30 or so decals there's five different colors in the decals themselves different tonal shifts in the grays adding blues adding yellows where the end result is it's an aircraft I don't want to oversell it. It's not massively in your face, but the idea is you're looking at it and at certain attitudes when it's flying past you or when it's on the ground or it's in the shade or out in the sun, your eyes pick up on some of that variation. So with an aircraft as, uh, dare I say, straightforward, I'm not going to say plain, but it's, it's a very straightforward looking design. There's no mm-hmm. ordinance hanging off of it. Not a lot of bells and whistles going on. We wanted to, to make it more than just your standard three colored uh, gray jet. Right. And so that's why we went into that. There's there's satins and glosses and mattes and uh, we do we deal with opacity variations um, where if you're looking at some of those photos we posted so far online, essentially everyone's F-22 is going to look a little bit different. So we went right. into training with our our paint crews and I sat down there with them and oh, we bought man. new equipment so that we could, we could, we could basically just emulate again, some of the characteristics of the F-22. That was important to our team going in to, to make it just more than just gray. Mm. Now, right. now, Tony, I'm, I'm curious to know then flying it with that diff, the different paint scheme, you know, normally just a gray airplane is horrible tracking in the sky. Do you notice that with the, like, if the light hits it just right or, or different ways that you notice it kind of sticks out a little more? You know, it's funny in, in this blue sky here in the high desert, uh, you would think that it would be a struggle to see it, but the airplane is so big and with the big verticals, mm-hmm. it's really hard to kind of get the airplane in a bad attitude mm. which you can't tell your orientation. Mm-hmm. Um, I will comment on the pain. And one of the things I really thought was great about what the team did here was we do have so many different variations of colors on the Raptors and, uh, it could easily, people could argue that we should have gone with maybe a darker color metallic scheme on it. But again, you have the issues of, foam getting popcorn in the sun and here in yes. Southern California, yeah. we're dealing with temperatures during the summer months of over a hundred degrees. So right. uh, right. it's hard to keep the finish looking well. So the selection for an earlier lighter gray scheme, which we still operate a few light gray uh, Raptor shirt Edwards, as well as a dark metallic scheme, I thought was smart uh, call by the team. Just preserve the finish of this gorgeous jet. When you put the, when you spend the money and make the investment in this model, you want the thing to hold up over time. And it was uh, it was a fantastic call. Wow. Yeah, the earlier dash A's and some of the um, some of the FFs out of Langley were were that perfect scheme as Tony mentioned. Where again, it's my job to think practicality, frankly, first. Um, the, the scale fidelity, all those things come second. But 
practicality. Can it, can it operate on grass? Can it fit batteries? But is it going to actually fly? Can people see it? Those types of things. Is it going to popcorn the moment I, I bring it out into the sun? So right. we, we tried to put a little bit more plastic into the aircraft. We saw that um, we had the wing loading there with just the lifting body and, and the generous uh, wing area of the aircraft overall. We saw we could pack in a little bit more weight in plastic than we normally do. Plastic is very expensive, but lining to intakes were important. And to mm-hmm. Tony's point of of sort of resisting uh, aging in, in foam models is we, again, like the L-39, sheeted the, the, the entire cockpit tub in plastic. So mm-hmm. while it's also under a tinted canopy, um, if people went with the clear canopy option, which is coming out relatively soon, and to show off some of that detail with the 3D printed uh, part upgrade inside of the cockpit there, they're still using a plastic line base, again, to resist foam's propensity to bubble up when yeah. it's black and in that heat and radiation. So right. all those things sort of come together to just, again, try and make it feel. We want people to feel like it's a well-thought-out aircraft and worthy of their hard-earned cash. Mm-hmm. Um any any subject matter we approach, it's really with that with that in mind. Yeah, Alpha, real so quick. So this thing must be. Uh, oh, go ahead, sorry, Andre. Nope. Go say, ahead. This thing must be a beast to transport because I'm looking at some of the photos and it's <laughs> yeah. a huge airplane with a big like like the, the 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 cord on the wing is is quite impressive. So you guys must have had fun trying to move this thing around. You know, in my case, it was easy. We've got a small pickup truck, and it fit in the bed of the truck oh with no gosh. issues at all. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, again, what I love about the design work that's happening uh, with the free wing motion team is that, uh, you know, two screws for each wing, and the wings pull off with a multi-connector, and it's simple to pull them out, get carbon fiber spar out, and, uh, and mm-hmm. move it quite easily. Yeah, uh, and I think Ralph even pictures of it in the back of a van. Uh, hmm. I, think. I actually I put it in the back of a sedan, a four door sedan. Wow. Um, we got a magnetic nose cone that that cancels out about six inches of of the front end, and yeah. with that I was actually able to. Uh, I take Didi's, which is Chinese Ubers, um, <laughs> here in China, and so I, I often show up. They they pull up to my place, and I've got an airplane, like a surfboard <laughs> under my arm, and and so um, another thing we're 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 really conscious of is making sure people can transport it. Uh, yes. We hear it all the time with every new release. We want big, but it's got to fit. So mm-hmm. there's always that balance we try to find. Um, in aircraft like the 80 millimeter twin 80 uh, A10 with the 1.7 meter straight wingspan, that aircraft, that's not going to fit in the back of a sedan. Um, so we try to engineer where the wings come off easily. But this aircraft, if you needed to, the wings will pop off pretty nice. We've got the main situated in the fuselage, which is especially nice. Yes. Um, so the, the wing just has a couple of servos in it. So the, the, not a lot of wiring connections there. Um, but overall, as, as Tony mentioned, we posted a photo of just again to show people and quell that, that fear that, yeah, you can get it in the back of a, of a car. If, yeah, uh, nice. On your, uh, on your ADS setup, is that two 4Ss that you're going to run in that? Uh, we, well, it's really up to the customer. We sell both 6S, like for example, we sell the Admiral 6S 5000, um, which is ubiquitous across our 90 millimeter line and for most of our modern 80s. Uh, we, had, in addition, sell a 2S 5000. So it's a matched pack. Uh, the same oh, yes, that's right. Okay, okay, understood. For all of our guys who already have 6S's, they usually buy a couple of 2's and add them. Um, gotcha. But obviously, 
we also sell many 4S, uh, 4,000 and 4S, 5,000 uh, aircraft, Mustangs, Warbirds, and the like. And so for those customers, they'll, they'll put them together. Um, if Tony, you tested the 5,100, right? You tested the larger pack and that aircraft. And there's plenty of space. In it. And actually, of, I'm, there's more than enough space. Heck, you, 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 I think you can put two of them in there. There's so wow. much space inside that battery <laughs> bay. It's quite impressive. Wow. Yeah, I got a guy in Hobby Squawk right now who's actually, uh, he said, it's a 6S5000. Can I put a bigger one? And Pat says, I can do a 6250. I say a 6250 is okay. And then the gentleman comes back and says, how about a 7000 or an 8000? Yeah. It's sort of like an auction. You know? He's yeah. asking, how much bigger can we get? So I, I drew the line about 6S6250, 6S6500. Normally don't recommend going larger than the 5000 that we spec. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this this case, I'm, I'm comfortable doing it. There's there's a lot of space in that aircraft, especially because we built it with 8S in mind. Um, we wanted to have, uh, again, utilize that space to to put in big power for those of our customers who, who want to do that. But older models like, say, the F-16 don't really fit 8S 5000 really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Raptor's perfect alternative where we can finally do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh- Alpha with the magnetic nose uh, and, and being pretty large piece. When you guys were testing and developing, uh, when you're having aircraft doing over a hundred miles an hour, was it the aerodynamics? You know, help hold that nose on, or did you guys really have to get some serious magnets to make sure that thing doesn't fly off in flight? Gosh, I hope not. It's not just the magnets. Actually, Evelyn was um, Tony and Evelyn were there with me when we did the first. CNC F-15 a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And that aircraft, um, if, you, if you guys recall, that, that aircraft did not have a magnetic nose cone. And we had an issue with the very first prototype thereafter where it had magnets, right? But it didn't have a long enough tang, uh, which is the extension of foam within it that seeped into a sort of a, a hole inside the fuselage itself. So again, part of the evolution of us learning and there's a, there's a balance between how much downward force you want it to take. Uh, you do want it to snap off. If you plop the aircraft down carrier landing style, you don't want it to stay attached and dig into the graph and, and rip your fuse. Mm -hmm. Um, so they are sort of designed to to pop off and it's fun finding the balance in, uh, in, we always use tube magnets for all of our removable nose cones, but the length and width of the tang that fits that slots in the fuselage, that's actually part of the mass that we do on our end um, to make sure that it breaks off when we want it to, not too soon, not too, um, right. not too, as it were. Yeah. Yeah. And I hadn't talked with Alpha about this yesterday, but in fact, when I was doing the, uh, the two high angle of attack, hard approaches and impacts uh, on the deck, mm-hmm. uh, the nose uh, stayed intact. It didn't even come off, didn't even move at all. So it was quite nice. impressive how, how well the magnets did uh, in keeping it in place because it doesn't have, uh, that little plywood piece that you see in the F4 nose. And I initially, when I first saw that, I thought, oh, I wonder if they decide just to eliminate the weight of the plywood and is there going to be any risk of the nose popping off? And when I hit those two hard landings, uh-huh. uh, nose stayed in place. So oh, nice. uh, yeah, a, a good job on the magnets there. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that, Tony. It actually did have the plywood um, in one of our Raptor prototypes. But then, as I mentioned, the nose wasn't coming off when we wanted it to. We do our 
we do our carrier landing testing on riverbeds and and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> Very, I should post some pictures of where we fly. You know, oh man! People who know sort of the free wing videos, that's the best place we can find. Uh, that is not our destructive testing field. And and um, in, in, in any case, with the F 4s design, the Raptor nose wasn't coming off. It was stain put when we needed it to come off. So that was one of those things that, again, mm-hmm. it's. You don't just put everything, every good idea in the aircraft. You put the right idea in the aircraft, and sometimes they're different. Right. Um, that's there's variations. Right. Uh, Tony, another question coming in, and your professional opinion here. Uh, gentleman wants to know they're flying the sixty-four millimeter series, like the F one hundred five or the F eight. Uh, could they step up to this? to the 90 millimeter f22 or should maybe they go up to the 70 millimeter first and then step it up to the 90 what do you think i would you know i the 22 is really a docile airplane the biggest issue that i found in just the five flights is that it has big control surfaces so you'd have to you'd go with the book recommendation on the uh, on the deflections i fly 100 percent throws and i add expo as needed mm-hmm. uh, but i would i wouldn't necessarily say it'd be the the first airplane to jump into after 64, I would actually recommend the Avanti Sport Jet, which has got such an amazing flight envelope, uh, light on the wing. You can fly it around as a trainer, and then when you're ready to really ring it out, it has the power and performance to do so. So mm-hmm. I would I would recommend the Avanti first and then progress into this airplane. Obviously, a higher price point, a little bit more of an investment there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Avanti is one of those, even though I, I'm not a fan of Sport Jets, I own an Avanti and love it. It's oh, one of those wow. great one. I, oh, I, oh, sorry. Evelyn reminded me. I own two. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a great warm-up jet. You know, you get out there in the morning and you haven't been on the sticks in a couple of weeks and you throw a battery and bring that thing out and you get your chops back and then you jump into into some, into some a jet you have a little more coin in and then go out there and have fun with it. So my recommendation would be to, to look at our Avanti um, and then from there uh, progress into the 22. Absolutely. The pucker factor, I'll throw that in to your listeners. I mean... As Tony mentioned, as good as an aircraft can fly, you still need to be flying it. And and a lot of times we see it's nerves that cloud our judgment in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the customer service side, we always ask people, I know that you love it. I know you've got the coin for it. That's great. But but how do you do under pressure? You know, and <laughs> part, part, part of, part of uh, why we try to make different aircraft in different scales and in different uh, power systems, different price points is as Tony mentioned, people can start somewhere, have a place to go. Um, and there are a few different ways up into the 90 millimeter sizes. Something like the Avanti is going to be uh, a better, uh, a better start. Um, I prefer people jump into that 70 size uh, between a 64 and 70 because you you need to learn a lot of things such as landing gear um, <laughs> usage flat deployment those types of things but um but again yeah the the hope is that people can engage us on hobby squawk call our people obviously on the tech support line and let us know what your budget is where you're flying are you flying with the club do you have people you can buddy box with we really try and give almost individual assessments as to which aircraft is going to be better for you most cases like tony said it's going to be the avanti Mm -hmm. Um, when people start talking about uh big power retracted flap jets uh, that also use that ubiquitous 6S5000. Um, when you start just loading up on batteries, that's an aircraft that you know you can 
continue to keep its battery in use uh, for other aircraft, such as the F-22. But, um, but yeah, I, I tell everyone, just give us a call and we'll try and get a good solution for you. We've, um, I'm, st- I'm still sticking with my Avanti. That's, I'm still sticking with that. Not the L-39? Yeah, no, I, I, we, we, we'd love to disagree, and that's what's, what it's all about is honesty between our, in our conversations. The reason why I would recommend the Avanti is I love the robust landing gear on that airplane, and, mm-hmm. uh, and it, if you put the wing fences on it, it slows down to a crawl and it doesn't bite you. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, when it comes to an investment, I'd agree with Alpha that the 70 <laughs> yeah. is, a, is, a little, is a little less on the pocketbook, but from a long-term investment, if you really want to take EDF to the next level, uh, I'm watching turbine guys flying Avantis, uh, and they're out there just practicing their skills with a great airplane that they can beat up, and the gear just handles the, the abuse no matter what surface. Hmm. Yep. Uh, and they uh, can see it with yellow, too, which which is uh, right. only yellow jet. A <laughs> couple more questions <laughs> coming in. Uh, I lost the one, but I think I got it in my head. One of them was, um, can they get the scale wheel size for flying off of pavement and the other question was will the will the side weapons bay with an am9x be available for 3d printing uh so i'll do the aim nine first uh, okay yes the, the aim nine parts is part of our we've got a variety of 3d pup sets uh 3d pups 3d printed upgrade part sets um we like our acronyms <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, so the AIM-9 launcher is part of the 3D pup sets that we're going to both be making available for free download. They're, in fact, on the website right now, and, and they're also available at hobbysquat.com. I just threw up a, a, a sub-forum uh, a few hours ago that sort of documents each of these with pictures, showing you how do they go together, um, where they go on the aircraft, et cetera, from pitot tubes and to the cockpit, to the launchers and other types of things. Um, it is also one of those sets that we think are going to be the more, one of the more popular ones. So uh, it is going to be something that the factory will be printing. And like some of our other more recent aircraft, we'll also have those in stock. So the idea here is, again, people who have a 3D printer, I highly recommend the Creality Ender 3, uh, which is under $200, and it's what I do all of my prototyping on here in China. But for, for customers who have 3D printers, um, they can download those files from us for free. Uh, we just we just want to get them out there and let people play with them. For customers who either don't have a printer or don't have access to one, don't have a buddy at the club who's got one yet, then, of course, we, we, we try to make some of those more popular sets available that are factory printed. Mm-hmm. So I'd say one change that's occurred with the F-22 is um, our, our factory printed sets in the past have been optimized for SLA printing, which is a uh, different type of printing than FDM, so super high resolution, different material. And um, the result is it, some, of the, some of the way the prints, uh, the files were drawn, I didn't really draw them for optimal printing on FDM printers. So... We got some feedback from customers saying most of us have the FDMs. Can you yeah. sort of retweak so that we can lay everything flat, minimize the necessary supports required to print? And so that's what we've done with now uh, with the Raptor. We'll probably be backdating some of those in, um, in the future as well for our earlier aircraft like the B-24, F-4, and Mirage. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the other question about scale wheels, yes. I mean, sure, you can, you can put any... You can put any wheel you want on the aircraft. Um, obviously, 
if you shrink the nose, you'll need to shrink the mains mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to change your, your, your stance. It's very, very important. Um, so, so I suppose, yeah, you could, <laughs> I don't, I don't have a problem if you want to shrink the wheel. Um, it won't alter how the aircraft handles or how the doors close or the armatures. They don't require, they don't care about the wheels size essentially. Um, that being said, I would say the Raptor, real Raptors mains are, are very small. Um, so if you're going to really shooting for sort of that scale appearance on the ground, you're going to, you're going to see some, some, uh, degradation of ground handling and, and again, and again, just steerability of a smaller wheel. So right. we always evaluate small wheels on the whole. We're always on the whole. We're more often than not asked to make it practical and make it, um, able to, to take different surfaces, which is why, again, we scaled these up. Right. Right. Uh, so knock yourself out and post on <laughs> hobby squad if it works or not. <laughs> uh, Tony, have you flown ver- both versions, the regular and the high performance version? And if if you have, is there a reason why you wouldn't pay the extra money for the extra performance? I have not. I've only flown the the six S version. That, that is the same with the F four. I've never even flown the eight S version of the F four. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know. Yeah, go for it. I, I can say. Um, well, they are different enough. I've obviously developed both fans. I've flown both. They, they're they different enough where it made sense to offer both at the outset. Mm-hmm. Um, why wouldn't someone go to 8S? Um, probably two reasons. One, they don't have any 2S batteries. Um, they, a lot of our customers have 10, 20, 30, 6S, 5,000 packs. Uh-huh. Um, we have a lot of that battery in circulation and, and so why wouldn't they go eight? Because they're, then they're retooling to buy a whole bunch of two S five thousand. Um, you know, the, so the second reason would be that while the eight S imparts more straight line speed, yes, as we yep. discussed, gives you another 20, 20 mile an hour or so, and it'll give you, um, a higher static thrust. So you're going to accelerate a little better. Um, on the whole, as a heavier aircraft, while in straight lines, it'll take that, that weight well. For those people looking to do more acrobatic, as Tony smartly said, sort of that short field type acrobatics, mm-hmm. which is really what we intended this model to be. We have a lot of big field straight line flyers. This is the one I can fly it inside of a baseball diamond. Just You're <laughs> kidding. Tight, tight turns. No, we actually have a video that shows I'm, I'm putting this thing within 100 feet just looping it and, and immelmans and cubinates in a very tight field. So you're going to wow. lose some of that, that capability sure. the heavier you, you go, whether you load it mm-hmm. down on six or you load it up or, or you load it uh, down on, on eight. So, um, again, there are probably listeners saying, well, that's exactly why I bought the eight S because I want to just be able to take off, go vertical until I can't see it and, and, and come down at the runway, the other direction doing 125. I mean, great. That's why we, that's why we sell both. Um, there's no right or wrong answer here, guys. It's really up to your budget, up to your, 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 um, objectives with the aircraft. And there's no downside in having two power systems either. I mean, yeah. I think a lot of us have successes lying around. We, we sell a lot of our pluses, 
specifically for that reason. The RF pluses for your listeners not familiar, have all the electronics in it, uh, servos, uh, retracts, flight controller, um, circuit board rather, except for the ESC motor and EDF. So people who have six S's from dead birds in the past or have eight S's or jet fans from our good friend Gary at Flux RC or what have you, um, they have the option to, to, to put those in there. So, mm-hmm. Do you almost have unlimited vertical on 6S? No, the 6S will top out um, in some of our videos. I think I top out about 250 feet was the furthest. I mean, obviously it depends. It depends yeah. how are you diving into it? Are you right. coming from a straight line at idle? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this oh. aircraft. Yeah, go go for it, Tony. Go ahead. Yeah, an- another important thing to add too is where are you flying the airplane? I'll give you a great a great example. I'm oh, flying yeah. at at 2,300 feet altitude here in the high desert of California. Mm. So uh, we were talking yesterday and. I wasn't seeing quite the performance I was hoping to see, uh, and simply that was because the air is extremely dry. The density altitude is very poor right now, as you've seen with all the fires we're having out here, yeah. and I'm at a much higher altitude. So the fan is really built and designed to fly really at 1,000 feet and below. So for those at a higher elevation, uh, you're definitely going to notice a little bit of difference in performance because the airframe is a little more draggier than the F4, and you've got those big intakes. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when I was doing stealth passes yesterday, power off dives uh, this thing had a really awesome howl to it. Kind of reminded me of an F-104 Starfighter. Hmm. Uh, so you can hear you can hear the drag in the ducts. But uh, you know, again, it's it's more of a, a tight in performing jet for those who are really looking for incredible performance. If you're flying in, like let's say Colorado, uh, you're probably going to want to look at more power like an 8S. But um, yeah, that's a good point. I that's another reason why people would probably prop up is yeah. if you're in Colorado. Colorado listeners, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have I don't have five thousand feet here in China right. to test. So right, right, uh, plans are not optimized for you. But the ESs are going to be better options for you there. Right, interesting. Um, Tony, I'm curious. You know, uh, since was, this is kind of your first time on the show, real quick, it just popped in my head. But what are some of your favorite? Uh, jets to fly i mean are you always looking for the newest greatest or you know you were talking about the avani here a little bit ago but what what's some of your favorite ones it's you you know maybe you're always taken to the field yeah i to be honest with you doesn't he have one yeah (laughs) a lot of choices choices. Uh, i i'm old school uh because i am old uh so i tend to love things like the a4 skyhawk the f4 phantom uh you know 14 times i'm just a and I'm not afraid to I really love the Freewing A6. Mm-hmm. I'm just a fan of Vietnam-era aircraft. And ah. so when, when Alpha and, and the team decided to start paying tribute to our Vietnam veterans by producing Vietnam-era airplanes, I was just like a kid in a candy store. I mean, I think I'd been beating the A4 drum for about three years. And when it finally came to fruition, I, I was just smiling because we have a lot of Vietnam veterans that show up to local club fields and you look around, you see a lot of World War II era aircraft, but they were sort of being overlooked. And that just just brightened my day uh, where we could honor them because I'm a Desert Storm vet. And it was the Vietnam veterans that made sure that when we came back that we were welcome home uh, mm-hmm. since they were not treated so well. So for me, I, to be honest with you, the long-winded answer is I, I'm a big fan of the Vietnam era stuff. So F4, A4, uh, the uh, F8 Crusader, that sort of stuff. 
just gets me excited. What makes me really excited about this F-22 is that um, you've got a generation of kids that have been going to air shows, seeing the Raptor perform. And I remember seeing Max Mogul, who was the first demo pilot for the Raptor. I think it was back in 2005. So you think 13 years of Raptor demos, and now that new generation who we need to continue to bring into this hobby. We need young folks to take an interest in this hobby to keep it going. Uh, so now we're, we're presenting an airplane to them that they've seen in air shows. Uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of them have seen an F-4 Phantom fly in air show. So this is something uh, that they're going to gravitate to and I think probably aspire to want to fly at some point. What makes me really excited is that a great flying, stable airplane that is very forgiving in the slow-speed configuration and even doing tight uh, aerobatic maneuvers, the airplane doesn't bite you. Uh, I would not consider it a super-fast airplane, uh, but it's not really intended to be that, as Alpha had mentioned earlier. It's really a, a really awesome performing airplane showing what the Raptor shape can do in the air. And this airplane has such great control services that you can put it in some crazy maneuvers and the airplane recovers. Uh, really effective rudders, by the way, just for the record. Um, yeah. on, my first, on my first flight, I went to land and I had a bit of a crosswind. I just <laughs> lightly tapped the rudder to keep the airplane back down the center line. And it just sort of veered hard to the left. And I went, whoa, that's got a pretty effective rudder. So I landed and dialed down the rudder. Uh, yeah, it really flat spins and some crazy maneuvers with rudders. This thing has amazing rudder capability. Wow. Yeah, we wanted to do, um, we wanted to, like Tony mentioned, we wanted to make it flyable and be able to, you've got that bailout power, you have that bailout uh, surface authority, control authority, if you needed it, but at the same time, docile, approachable, not scary. Um, we've got uh, we got a fun sort of thing planned. We mentioned it on Hobby Squad briefly. I'll talk about it here as well. We're putting together with our media team basically a um, a checklist, if you will, a, a video with very short clips of all the different maneuvers, both sort of mm-hmm. quote unquote official maneuvers, the Mongo flip, uh, the J turns, and things that 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 are done in the in the official sort of F-22 flight demonstrations throughout the world. Um, and then also sort of our more RC hobby-specific type maneuvers. So our idea is to put these all together, give them a name, obviously. Um, we'll have a camera facing down on, on my fingers where people can see sort of what the maneuver, uh, how the maneuver is, is done. And we're going to put it out there to the community and basically say, you know, see how many you can do. There's, there's 30 in the video. Um, how many can you cram in, in 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 a flight and post your post your video? Let us see it because because as Tony said, uh, it's really Evelyn's generation that's going to that's going to keep this hobby alive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's the F twenty two is one of the aircraft in a in a sort of a, a a new type of mentality of flyability. We want people to be able to want to fly it because they've seen it and also actually be able to. Um, and and sort of give them more fun things to do as they're sort of approaching the aircraft instead of just flying your traditional uh, circle. So does that mean we're going to see maybe a 70 or 80 mil version of this aircraft then? So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah. yeah probably not the 80. The 80 is close enough. But, but yeah, the... We, well, we are, um, our, our lineup, I think in a couple of years, people will look back and say that was sort of one motion RC read the, the writing on the wall and, and we can't make them all big, heavy, super scale, super expensive aircraft. Um, those are fun from time to time, but we're at that phase 
certainly in this in this year with all the tumult in the hobby, we're at that phase where we need we need something to to bring in those younger generations. And we mm-hmm. we hope that this is one of one of the many a star screen transformer paint scheme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you have to do for the commercial end of it, but you know that would totally like rock out a whole generation. Kelly, our good friend of Cali Graphics, Cali, uh, she's she's yeah. got it in the hopper as well. So for all of you Decepticons out there, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that will be available. <laughs> if you guys don't mind, I just wanted to point out that one of the things that I really love about the Raptor and the five flights that I have on it now is that there's a lot of folks over the years who approach me who are interested in scale jets, but they're intimidated by them yes, because absolutely. they're afraid that it's going to bite them. And I mm-hmm. will tell you, it is this airplane, as you've seen in the videos and it's been commented about several times, is it has trainer-like flying qualities about it. So um, for those who've been always thinking about a jet but have been afraid to make the investment or scared about its performance mm-hmm. and whether or not this airplane is going to bite them, this is an airplane that in the slow speed configuration when you're landing, it's pretty hard to screw up the landing. You'd have to almost dive it straight in the ground because as soon as you rotate the airplane and set the angle of attack on the approach, the airplane acts like a big kite. You carry just enough power and it sets down on the main beautifully nice. with about a half flap to so full flap deployed. Mm-hmm. Um, so from that regard, I will tell you that um, I'm excited about the possibilities of, of people who've been on the fence about EDFs. Uh, getting into an airplane that will treat them right. Uh, if they've had the 64 millimeter time and maybe the Avaji time, uh, this is an airplane that they could take to the field and feel very comfortable with flying uh, in all types of conditions, and it won't bite them. Oh, that's yeah, that's good. I to think hear. the linear con- the linear configuration of our of our portfolio maybe sometimes causes people to forget that the next best, the, the newest aircraft isn't supposed to be better than all the other ones. What? The, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. We sort of have this expectation, like we're always chasing perfection. We're not. You know, we're we're ch- we're chasing diversity. We're, yes. We're, we're chasing um, approachability. So we we have fast straight line aircraft. We have mm-hmm. over engineered, super heavy but beautiful aircraft. Um, but to Tony's point, we we really didn't have that. It's big, but it's safe type of aircraft. So the Raptor, ironically, people think it's what the fifth generation fighter, it's, it's demon, right? To which I say, no, that's the next, next one. Um, <laughs> this is the one that that'll do something that will do things. Um, like I've said online that none of our other aircraft can begin to think of doing. And uh, we think that's pretty fun. Right. What's great about the airplane also is it leaves enough for those who like to customize, right? So if you if you pull the thing out of the box and there's nothing to do to it, well, that'd be kind of boring, right? So there's enough with this airplane that you can add things to it, like lights. If you want to add more lights to it, if you want to detail servos, if you want to you know do external mods and you want to put you know wing tanks on it or external uh, ornaments of any type. But we did test some over the years after Edwards. Uh, the, the model you can do it, and with 3D printing, it opens uh, it opens that world up pretty wide. Hmm. Yeah, you're going to be at uh, Tony and Evelyn are actually going to be at the Arizona at Arizona Jets here um, in just a few days. Yes, on Thursday about neat innovations. Yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, right? Correct. Yeah. So speaking of neat innovations, they're going to be showcasing uh, uh, the RC Geek Center Burner uh, for those who are ah, not aware. Yes. You know. He's got the center burner. So, so our new MFCB um, is obviously it's baked into the aircraft. You have a lot of expandability for LEDs. 
And in addition, um, uh, Chris Wolf over at, at the RC Geek was kind enough to, to give us a couple center burners to demonstrate to again, get people to play with the aircraft. It's more than just taking the wing off, sticking it in the car, flying it. You know, it's, it's about talking about it, playing with it and, uh, and, and making it alive. So I'm excited yeah. to see those picks. Yeah, big shout out to Chris for, for a wonderful uh, donation of those burners so we can uh, go out there and take his product and show what, what you can do with aircraft by adding that, that after burner and any mm-hmm. of these mods, uh, 3D printing stuff. It's it's a it's a world that's wide open and you can really make it your own. And I love that about this hobby is that you take uh, a ready-to-fly airplane, if you will, and you customize it with new paint scheme, calligraphic, center burner, you name it, and truly bring the model to life the way you want to do it. Tell yeah. us a little more about that event, uh Tony Yeah, so Arizona Jets, uh, it officially starts Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Evelyn and I were fortunate enough to get some time off this week, so we're going to get there uh, about midday Thursday afternoon, and we'll stay until about midday Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, we have to rush back. We've got a, a half a, a Cox 049 control line event here in Van Nuys on Sunday uh, to <laughs> honor our dear friend, uh, dear friend Tony Nakarado, who unfortunately is uh, struggling with stage 4 uh, cancer right now. Uh, we're doing an event to honor him, so we're going to jump in back in the van and hurry back to Van Nuys to honor him. But uh, great event hosted by uh, the folks out at the, the Mesa Field, the Superstition Field, and uh, we've gone the last few years, and it's it's family. That Like anything, if you're going to take the time to travel to, to events uh, around the country, uh, we're fortunate enough where everywhere you go, people are friendly and love the, and passionate about the hobby. And, and of course, as soon as you pull up, they're like beating on the van going, all right, let's see the new one. You know, you get that. What's in there? <laughs> and it's it's amazing to see the enthusiasm of folks who are just waiting for the next jet or the next Warbird uh, from any of the, the companies, from whether it be Horizon or Motion. It's it's nice to see that passion. As Alpin indicated, you know, the hobby's been going through some, some tough times lately. And uh, our mission now is to take you know, our time and the skills that we have to somehow give, give back to the hobby that has given us so much. It gave me a career in the Air Force for the last 30 years. And as I joked with her, I said, I, if I'm lucky, I'll maybe have 20 good years of good eyes and good hands. So, <laughs> you know, take take that time and do something useful with the skills that you have by promoting the hobby and trying to encourage more people to take part in it. Because uh, yeah. this, isn't, this isn't a job. This is a, a passion for all of us who are involved in it. And Evelyn and I do this as strictly as volunteers to to help you know, put a better product out there and just to throw some ideas at Alpha to make his life a little more stressful every once in a while, you know. <laughs> uh, <That's laughs> better. Yeah, but yeah, it, at the end of the day, you know, we're all very, I think we can all say this, you guys probably even the podcast, we're all very fortunate to to do what we do. I've met people over the years who would give anything to be able to fly model airplanes who are just afraid or have had some bad experiences. And so, uh, and I spent probably a good five or six years as a kid sitting at a local field, just dreaming of flying an airplane of any kind. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be in this wonderful position of going out there and sharing a passion with folks and, and, and helping Motion Out, which is a veteran-owned company, and I'm a veteran doing my part to help that company out, uh, it's really quite an honor. So we, we always say if we can at least inspire one or two people to take an interest in the hobby, then we, we've done a, done a good thing. And I hope everybody feels that way because um, – you know, the World War II generation and the baby boomers were losing them at an alarming rate. And those yes, folks sir. grew up with aviation. Uh, and they're the reason why, as a kid in the 70s and 80s, I go to a local field and the place would be packed with modelers who built airplanes. So uh, it's important that all of us uh, not turn this into a very selfish hobby, but one that we can bond with folks and bring people in who, uh, who have an interest, who've taken the time to even come to the field to see what we're doing. 
So if you see a family or if you see kids sitting there who's looking at your airplane, take the time to walk over and introduce yourself and ask them if they like airplanes. And if they do, ask the parents if it's okay, they come over and take a look at your fleet and then take them out to the line with you and have them stand right next to you when you're flying and explain your maneuvers to them. That way they, you're lighting a spark within them. And that's basically what happened to me. You know, my dad was in aviation, but it was a neighbor who had a, an old Midwest uh, sweet stick. He crashed it and he gave me the airframe and I hung it above my bed and I stared at the thing for years. And then it led to, uh, you know, a wonderful life in model aviation now, almost 40 years. So, um, that's, that's what I'm, I'm thrilled about the podcast. You guys are getting the message out there and sharing your enthusiasm and excitement for what we all love and for Alpha's hard work and long hours with little sleep. I mean, we all joke <laughs> about it. Really, the guy puts in exhausting amount of hours uh, trying to do his absolute best uh, mm-hmm. with an amazing team to pull off some really cool airplanes. I that agree. I'm never going to build an F-22. <laughs> I just am not. I'm, I'm not going to scratch build an A-4 Skyhawk or an F-4 Phantom. I'm just not going to be that guy. So uh, for me, no matter whether or not it's everything I want it to be or not, it eventually will be that with just a little time and energy invested in it. I know guys will. Guys and gals will nitpick it from time to time. So unfortunately, you see that on the forums. But uh, for my attitude, I'm just thankful that uh, Freewing and Motion and Verizon and these other companies are taking the time to honor these airplanes, honor the people who built and flew and worked on them, uh, and then for us to go ahead and relive that history by putting these birds in the air and having our moment with them and maybe inspiring somebody to feel that that's that's really a blessing there. Yep, well said. Yeah. Well said, Tony. Uh, Alpha, the question... Questions are rolling in here. Um, another one I, I have is being the the flight characteristics on the F twenty two being so good. Um, you know, you don't have to specifically say yes or what or we're working on or whatever. But could you see this model actually going <laughs> all the way down to the sixty four millimeter series? Well, we've got a sixty four millimeter now in both three S and four S. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so yeah, other than I sort of joked earlier, we're, we're not going to make a 70 or 80 millimeter F22. We've got a 64, we've got a 90. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my point was more in each, in each fan size, 64, 70, 80, and 90, which is really our sort of playground. Uh, we're not really sub 55 or 50. We're not bigger into the 105, 127s, but between 64 and 90, we want people to be able to come to us and start and, and see a couple of different ways in on the smaller, slower, cheaper, safer end of the spectrum mm-hmm. and and work towards their goal of those bigger powerhouse 80s and 90s. Um, so for each fan category, there's going to be sort of the quote unquote, the trainer. There's going to be the easy one. There's going to be the fast one. There's going to be the scary one. There's going to be the heavy one. Um, we sort of, we want different different types per per category so the f-22 is among its 90 millimeter brethren it's it's going to be the easy one um uh, that's that's it's that's sort of its point that's its purpose in the pantheon of of 90s um now without giving away too much there are opportunities in the lineup uh, in other fan sizes and including the 90s there are opportunities where we can we're sort of missing one or two in some of those other categories. So, you know, we're, we're trying to fill those gaps is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so for, 
So I wonder if maybe if the person asking the question was, was wondering not so much about a specific F-22 down the line, but are there other aircraft that are going to share some of that mentality um, and to which I can say yes. Cool. It's going to be interesting to see if this uh, – I, I would love like, – you know, I always ask about the stats and, the, and stuff. I would love to see – you know, every time you introduce a 90, you know, does this start, you know, do you see the, you know, less, less purchase of say like your older F-16 or the F-14 or F-15 because a newer plane comes out. And like you said, you worked on a few things to make it that much better. So do you see uh, stats yeah. like that? Yes and no. Um, to Tony's point earlier, we're sort of, we're at an inflection point in the hobby where we're bringing in new eyes. Um, mm-hmm. We're sort of consolidating our customer base that's been with us for years now. A lot of them are saying, I, I don't have any more space. The wife will not let me get another <laughs> airplane. It's already on the kitchen table. You know, so we're seeing the ceiling in some areas. I would say that um, new products, we people who were on the fence between an older F-16 or a Raptor, yeah, they're probably going to jump into the Raptor. Yeah. Um, but that being said, there's probably at the same on the same day, there's someone who loves vipers he loves that f-16 and he flew the 64 millimeter from fms and he jumped into 70 millimeter from f from uh, from freewing and he he just really wants that 90 so <laughs> we have we have different people along the plot we we try to meet the customer where they're at understanding that everyone if we were to take a, a snapshot of our customer base right now, there are people who are working towards an A-10. There are people who are working towards a Spitfire. There are people who are working towards a, a, a Dynam Tiger Moth. You know, it, it doesn't <laughs> right. matter how big, how fast, how expensive it is. People want a UMX and that's all they want. People want gliders. Yeah, right. People are, are in different points along that plot. Yeah. Um, so that sort of obscures your question, Andre. That sort of obscures does any one plane cause a huge shift in other planes. It really doesn't because again, we've, we don't have all our eggs in one basket. I always say we're not about just one plane. Like, no, I know we love to make them. I know we're known for making more planes than I think anyone else in a given calendar year, but we're, that's actually not what we're about. We're about what, what Tony said, building that community, fostering new, new connections, um, with these models that we love and most importantly with the history that they really represent. So mm, right. touching on that, we're going to talk about flight Fest Texas after we're, we're done uh, discussing some of your new airplanes. Hey, Andre, I just wanted to point out one thing. I have met people around the country who have literally bought an R plus airframe just to hang in their garage with no intent of flying. <laughs> oh, I could see that. It's true. I mean, believe it or not, they, 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 they want to the man cave or whatever to, to be dressed up with some cool airplanes that they love so much. And so uh, they just wanted to buy it, hang it from mm-hmm. the ceiling in their garage or in their shop. So yep. there are those folks who just are passionate about airplanes. So yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's uh, I mean, you, you can go on eBay and buy a Philippine desk model for 239 bucks and for an extra 100 bucks you get a massive one hanging in your garage yeah right that's true <laughs> so yeah. i have a problem where i buy jets and they hang in my in they they hang in my cave down here and i don't get to fly them but that's true yeah. too andre yeah 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 i this this fall did not go as scripted as as i had hoped and now there's snow and ice mm. and i need a winter edf that's what i need mm-hmm. Well, I joke all the time, but I, I have enough foam in my house that my home is well insulated. Insulated, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Speaking of man caves, Evelyn, how, what's the current count of aircraft in that mm. in that boat? 
Really? I, I think it's 150 now. Whoa! No, actually, she's she's off by about another 60. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's a bad it's a bad addiction. But you know, the beauty of it is, as we go out and we travel, we try to hand a lot of these airframes out that I know I'll never fly. There's some stuff that's been sitting for five, mm-hmm. six years just collecting yeah. dust, and I'd mm-hmm. like to see them repurposed, especially now as the as the technology is getting better and better, you can take an old airframe and throw new electronics in it, new fans and whatnot, and bring them back to life. Yes. yes. Yeah, Yes, absolutely. actually. And uh, it's funny because I, before the show, uh, Alpha and I were talking, and I got to fly a buddy's, I think it was a Starmax old F-18 with the Canadian Forces Tiger scheme on it. And yeah. you don't know what fan what it is. And we slaved the, uh, the the servos and chucked that thing. And there was some serious wind out in Texas. And I was having a blast flying it. We just ran some 1300s. But it was like, I came home and I'm like, that, that a buddy of mine's trying to sell me one of those jets. And I'm like, I really got to add this, but I really shouldn't add this because I have <laughs> all these other jets that I need to fly, right? It's you a great space. I see space behind your wall right now. You got space for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's room back there. No, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it was, it was just a really fun little jet to fly. So, yeah, yeah it's that. Classics are some of those classics are a lot of fun to bring back. I'm a fan of the old Phase Three U2 and the F16. You know, some of those early models that you can put a modern electronics in now and really bring them to life and have a great time. Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow. Yeah, uh, Alpha, I just went and looked. I don't know how I missed it, but yes, I just went and looked at the F-22, the 64-millimeter one, and oh, man, I don't know how I missed that. And by the way, if anybody is interested in listening, as I was checking it out, the F-105 64-millimeter is on sale right now for 88 bucks. That's hard to pass up. So if you're looking for a jet or to get into it, we've had numerous discussions and podcasts about the 64 millimeter series. So if you're looking to get in, 88 bucks, folks, $88 to get into an ADF jet. While supplies last. Yes. I know that that A6 is on sale too for $279, and I've been drooling over that for a number of days. My old machine's been around for quite a a few years. I need to buy a new one and put a new scheme on it. Yeah. (laughs) Flies it like. Uh, Okay, so Evelyn, you've been way too quiet through this whole process. So a couple of questions. There are a couple okay. of questions. People people want to know yeah. what is your favorite EDF? Ooh. Okay. Yeah. Well, as Alpha knows, I love the F fourteen Tomcat. That is my absolute favorite. Anybody who loves Top Gun can understand. <laughs> True. That's true. Hannibal was uh, that was Project Hannibal, which which both uh, Tony and Evelyn were a part of in the early days, and um, yeah, I think that she commandeered that one pretty quick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that, nice. that one's all yours, Evelyn. <laughs> yeah, I still have the prototype. Oh wow! Yep. And uh, some of our listeners wanted to know, Evelyn, if uh, you've got to get the controls of the F twenty two. I have not yet, but we're planning it for the uh, Arizona Jets. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Yep, putting her on the sticks out there. Uh, you know, as Sweet. Alfred commented, and I, I quickly uh, was able to evaluate it. It's such a, a docile airplane to fly. You, you fly it at 50% throttle and cruise around in the pattern, and it behaves so well that she'll take to it with no problems. The, the problem I'm afraid of is once I hand her the, the transmitter, uh-huh. I may not get it back. You're done. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that is the problem. Right. Because it is. Another it, one. It is take it at one it is your jet. It is. A yeah. <laughs> uh, couple more questions I have for you, Evelyn. One is, is there a jet that your dad has that when you see him fly it or you see it fly, you're like, there's no way. Absolutely not. I don't even want anything to do with that. Uh, 
And the second part is I want to hear one of your worst crashes. What happened? You know, what plane was it and what happened? Dude, I can't this, wait. This is a good one. Um, <laughs> I really don't like my dad to fly is the A4, the freeway A4. That just gets me on edge because flies it a little bit crazier than I expect. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my worst crash would have been probably when I was about nine. I had the old Nitro Plains Wild Hawk oh. with a Holly Hawk. I went right into a bush. It was a bush. Yeah, yeah. She had a little little Polly Pocket doll that she had mounted in the cockpit. It was a cutest <laughs> thing because the thing we do flybys and the hair would blow in the wind. It was oh, that's thing. hilarious! No, uh, no. Uh, were, were you devastated or were you like, ah, whatever? It's not a big deal. It wasn't a big deal. It came back in one piece. Oh, Nothing nice. Yeah, and, and Dad had to had to do the maintenance. Oh, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. she, has, she has a crew chief, so obviously more yep. work for me. But okay. Yep. Yep. You got spares in that house. Yeah, we, we have Ferris and I and I loved I loved doing doing mods and fixes anyways. Not not that often, but every once in a while. So you sometimes you come across an idea that you hadn't thought about until an accident happened, then you yeah. have time to mess with it and then and stumble upon a new fix or a new idea. So it's not always a bad thing. hmm Right. They fly better with a little bit of glue anyway. Everything. <laughs> yeah. Does. Oh yeah. The stress goes away, mm-hmm. you've flown it. Yes. You, know, you gotta get that. You gotta get that initial ding off the airframe, and then then you're all relaxed. Yes, I agree. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Alpha, I wanted to jump back a little bit when you guys were talking about uh, the heat and the bubbling of the foam and and that such. If you guys, I'm sure you have, but I want to know how much of you guys messed around with the chemistry of the foam. You know to eliminate some of that is it something to where it's tough to do because when you when you do that the foam gets more brittle or or something of of that nature but how hard is it to balance that to get you know good strong foam but also keep it from you know the the weather or the heat really affecting it yeah it's it's difficult (laughs) it's um foam is one of those it's one of those things, one of those materials. I think a lot of us just we take for granted, and 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 who can blame us? It, it's foam. It, it doesn't strike. I don't think any of us as as how complex or diverse of a chemistry that material is. Mm-hmm. Um, the the properties of the modern EPO foam that most manufacturers use is in some ways consistent, but in other ways, very variable. We've talked about this on hobby squat and some of our deeper dives about, uh, about what, what type of foam we use, um, and the weight of foam, mm-hmm. different properties, essentially, where you can have a foam that, that becomes denser, um, which is nice for certain, for certain types of applications, but then it becomes heavier, uh, lighter foams will mold well, but will mold better through thinner areas. Um, at certain temperatures, but then, for example, they'll have they'll have um, more pocketing in their more pocketing in the surface. So we try to find the balance in all of those things. What we've what we've found is that it isn't just about the foam. I sort of sometimes I chafe at the, at the insistence that these are foam aircraft because I know that there's they're they're frankly really more multi material. Um, by weight, there's foam is usually less than 
thir- a third of the weight of the aircraft once all, all is said and done. There are so many more other, not just materials whose properties we take into account, but also their weights and their contributions to the overall performance of the aircraft. I'll give a great example. Um, our A-10, um, which continues almost two years later to, to be our most, our most popular selling aircraft. Um, as big as it is, as expensive as it is, people continue to come back to that to that A10, and I think one of the reasons why is 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 how it handles and how it flies, and that comes down to some of our original prototypes used. This is a 1.7 meter wingspan wing. We used uh, we used a a a solid foam wing, mm-hmm. um, and and long story short. If it was all foam, no matter the different types of foam that we used, Chris, we were not able to get um, the the aircraft to behave how we wanted it to. It, it just didn't matter. the The answer turned out to be a multi material approach, where we needed aluminum in a certain area, uh, buttress with two carbon tubes to set the angle of the wing, to set to set the dihedral. Um, of the wing properly without twist. We needed plywood ribs mm. to, to mitigate twist, um, mm-hmm. not too much, but, but just enough. And then for the foam, we actually use a different formulation of foam for the wing than we did for the fuselage because we, we needed different properties for the, the wing than we did the fuselage. So same aircraft, but two different types of foam. There are actually a couple of aircraft in our portfolio where we use two, sometimes even three different types of foam. Oh, interesting. Um, because again, it's, it's just, you, you have to build for the mission. We, we, we try and, we try and make things work as best we can cost effectively, but it comes down to again, practicality and mm-hmm. uh, the floppy wing A10s just, it, they're not going to fly. Um, inversely something loaded up that's super heavy or super solid. Yeah. That's not going to fly either. So, so I consider, I'd say to to your listeners, consider foam and consider that the engineering teams behind, uh, these foam aircraft you're flying from whoever, from any manufacturer, whomever you're buying them from, um, assume that we're aware of the different properties and we take that into account in the same way we would, a digital versus an analog servo. Do you spec a two millimeter wall carbon tube versus a three millimeter wall carbon tube? Um, how much carbon do you put it in in the first place and where do you put it? All of those different questions are answered in consideration of the various material properties of the different things we're working with. Um, for hinges, for for ESCs, for motors, more things we can more easily wrap our heads around with, 6S versus 8S, all the way down to the very minute type of variations like certain weights of foam. Wow, that's interesting. So can you tell us like the foam of the 64105 is different than the uh, 90 millimeter F-22? It is. Wow, that's interesting. I did not know that. That is fascinating. That comes down to, I think we've discussed this before, that comes down to the detail in the mold versus, well, I mean, EPO versus EPP kind of deal, right? Uh, yes, actually, to, it comes down to um, different materials, again, properties of those materials, so different weights of foam. Some of them are going to flow better at certain temperatures. Mm-hmm. So they're going to flow better at certain temperatures, but then the temperature is going to vary depending on the size of the mold mm. and what's in it. Um, the, remember, it's not just a mold 
think of the F-22's wing. Think of a trapezoidal sort of shape. Mm -hmm. It's not just, it just doesn't flow into a trapezoid. Um, it goes through channels. It, it, it sort of goes up and over where the carbon tubes go. It, it obviously uh. needs to fill around where the plastic servo pockets go. So it's a liquid, yes, but you still need to take into account how it's flowing throughout that mold. Um, so you get into all, that's where we get into the proprietary type things with recipes and, and different techniques that we use to get the mold to fill properly and to fill completely without overcooking, um, bubbling and all those sorts of things. So when people look at the L39, when they look at the Raptor and say, wow, these the surface after the paint is just so smooth, that's not by accident. <laughs> so speaking of all this technical start to end, how long did it take you to, uh, to cook up the F-22? Uh, that project was about two years. There you go. Two years of hard, crazy work. Seven days a week, 21 hours a day. Oh, in, in, in those two years, we've released other aircraft. So yes, I, yeah, all, I get that. <laughs> it's, it's that constant sort of churn. We always, and Tony and Evelyn know this from the forum, is we're, we're, we try to stay as clear and transparent on our messaging as we can. We say, everyone, what's coming next? Everything's coming next. Yeah. As long as we're around, <laughs> as long as we have the blessing of our customers' support, uh, and we've got an amazing customer family, as long as we're around, everything is coming next. Uh, we're always trying to innovate and to fill holes on our lineup, trying to think of new ways to, um, to entice and encourage people to fly and to fall in love with this hobby. And that's going to take many different forms. When we, when we release a big 90 millimeter EDF, we have a group of our customers saying, well, what about the warbird? And we love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we love that after we do that big warbird, people are going to say, but what about the small stuff? But what about my gliders? What about my UMX? We it's love that there's diversity there, which is why we're constantly, constantly working on, uh, on producing different things. I'm still waiting on a Lancaster. <laughs> yeah, you and me both, brother. <laughs> we were talking about the B29 on Hobby Squawk uh, the past couple of days. People were trying to guess what Project Five Eyes is, which is uh, one of our upcoming warbirds, and and uh, everyone's everyone's set that it's the B29, um, which I suppose I can announce, unfortunately, is not the case. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but for any of our squawk members listening, sorry guys. Um, that's not it. <laughs> I was going to post that in the hobby squawk guessing thread. I guess I'll have to now. But, um, but no, that's the fun part, right? Is that everyone has, like Tony said, everyone's got those airplanes from our histories um, that are in our dreams. Those those unicorns and those unicorns change. Once we a unicorn, um, people say, "Okay, that's great." But how about this? Um, which is which is always a a fun problem to have. It yeah. is. And, and the fact that, you know, the, the team is constantly thinking outside the box and trying to, trying to basically help, you know, encourage and, and keep everybody. And it just, it never seems to be enough time in the day, right. To, to be able to crank out all these different projects. But there is a, I will say that there are some really exciting things on the horizon. And I know Alpha's probably indicated that over the years, but honestly, there's some really cool stuff planned that, that will be coming. And, uh, and I'm excited to see uh, how things continue to grow and progress as people. Uh, I, as we go to fields, we're seeing more and more of the, the free wing products and the motion products uh, at fields as, as 
even some of the the old guys who've been in this hobby for many years are now starting to learn about motion RC and they're and uh, stepping into in these products. It's uh, neat to see their enthusiasm running up saying, hey, I just bought a B24, check it out. I custom painted it and come by and see it, Tony. And I run over there and you can see the pride they have in their in their model. And that is what this is all about, is that you're presenting them a product that they've dreamed of, that they probably don't have the time to build like I don't. I'm full-time Air Force and don't get a lot of free time. So to be able to, to take that vehicle to the field and show off their customization and their pride, and in some cases, their history with the model, is uh, is what this is all about. Pretty awesome. Right. Mm. Nice, uh, guys. Too, if you're listening to us on Facebook Live, this is your time. Too, if you had any more questions uh, for Alpha, Tony, Evelyn, Evelyn, I'm sorry, or if um, you know anything about the F22, now is your time. Get them in. Uh, Tony, so we talked to Evelyn about her worst crash. So we got, you know, over the uh, many years oh. you've been flying, we got to know about one of your worst crashes or most memorable. Yeah, it was, uh, believe it or not, it was a Freewing F-18. I was doing a demo at Apollo Field. Oh, and no. coming coming downhill, I went. <laughs> I decided to pull straight up and go as high as I can get it. And then I thought, well, if I'm going to get as high as I can get it, let's go as fast as I can coming straight down. Oh, no. And, and I, came, I came straight down. And as I per- started to pull out of the dive, um, I don't know what happened to this day. We don't know if an elevator servo failed or whatever, but it went straight in about 50 feet to my right, and it literally exploded. Now, the thing that was really remarkable about it was – the battery flew past me, wow. and it landed probably another 150 yards past me, and the rest of the airframe shot behind me. And I, I literally stopped, and I just <laughs> like a uh, I, I just could not believe what happened because the the sound of foam impacting at that speed was just – it oh, stopped me dead. Really? It was like, oh, that was cool. <laughs> that it wasn't is even, fantastic. oh, dang, I crashed an airplane. It was like – Dang, I wish I had that on video. That <laughs> is fantastic. Film, so that's, that's popcorn. Yes. Oh, it yeah. Won. So that's it just disintegrated. Popcorn. It disintegrated. But the sound of it impacting the ground was just this really low thudding boom. And then all <laughs> I saw was foam and battery flying past me. And it was like that sort of surreal thing where you're like, dang, I didn't get touched. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, Alpha, we do have a couple more questions coming in. Uh, one, yeah, uh, where to go? Oh, uh, anything about a new six cell seventy millimeter sport jet uh, possible, or, or are you guys looking into anything like that? Uh, yes, we've got. Um, we've got. Uh, should I say that? Yeah, I guess I can say it. We've got some different products planned for the coming year and a half that um, that are basically going to evolve our lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably as much as I can say now. But the the idea is to idea is to take what's been done before and really begin to to leverage all the lessons we've learned from the bigger stuff in the '80s and the '90s mm-hmm. and and deploy that in the smaller formats. Um, it's not just about MFCB sort of circuit boards and, and those types of creature comforts and standard aviation across components, but also trying to, again, bring, bring more of what we learned and, and more of what we've received in terms of feedback from customers to I'm not going to say update the lineup because as they're, as they are now, they're, they're fairly modern, but to, again, just continue to articulate our philosophy of what, 
what these planes should be for the price. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to really be the biggest thing in the coming year is is trying to stick the price um, and really yeah. just draw our line in the sand and say, this is what we believe the value for your hard earned dollar should be. Um, this is what, this is the absolute very best that we can give you. And this is why we think it's worth it. So, um, while that philosophy is, is extant in a lot of our products now, a lot of the newer things coming down the pipe and including something for the seventies and something for the smaller 64 guys. And obviously we always have the big things coming, mm-hmm. um, as Tony had intimated, we, we, we want people to look back and sort of feel wherever they're, size sort of playground preferences, we want to feel that we're taking care of them and that they're not being left out from sort of these, these next level evolutions, I'll say, and, um, and how we're doing things here. Right. And I have a new, I have a new appreciation too recently uh, with how difficult it is to, to be able to hit a price point or fight to keep a, an aircraft at a particular oh, price absolutely. point. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Just recently, uh, uh, I don't know if I should say this. I'm a Fataba guy. I've been flying Fataba radius for almost 40 years now. And, mm-hmm. and there was a particular receiver that I, I love to put in my aircraft. And so I, the other day I happened to get online and look for a couple of more. Um, and that receiver a year ago was $69. Today it's $93. Uh, uh, and yep. it was a, really a shock to the system that mm-hmm. it had jumped up that much in such a short period of time. So, uh, you know, I'm thankful that the batteries are at, still at a good price, but can that increase over time? Absolutely. If we don't, if we don't grow this hobby, obviously supply and demand, right? It's going to get right. more and more expensive to produce these items. So mm-hmm. um, that's why it really is important for all of us to try to continue to grow the hobby to keep the prices at a comfortable level, level, if you will. Right. I th- I think honestly, though, as far as batteries, what I'm seeing not only in this hobby, but um, um, venturing out, like for instance, uh, we're seeing a lot of development in the electric motorcycles right now. Uh, a good friend of mine owns a dealership and uh, uh, they're selling electric motorcycles now. Uh, I know Husky and KTM have several electric bikes and now they just got some small uh, like kids electric bikes. So, and the technology from talking to these guys is just getting better and better. It seems like almost every six months. So I think personally, as far as battery wise, it's just going to get better and cheaper down the road. Uh, that's a, just a personal opinion. Yeah, I hope so. Yep, and part of that is as we, that's the fun thing about, well, about business. This is a hobby that we're trying to run and contribute to sustainably, which by its very nature means we sort of also sort of have to have some concept of doing business and doing business well. And in this day and age, in this climate that involves being proactive with things like that, talking to our suppliers, talking to their suppliers, um, and and just trying to keep control of all those things. As Tony said, a 50% increase in a year on a receiver, um, I can actually, I can totally see how that happened. Um, it is not easy. And so without getting too, too deep in the weeds here, we hope that, um, we hope that our customers un- appreciate or just sort of continue to trust that we do our absolute best to control price um, and, and frankly, I don't think that we're the only ones. I, I have to imagine that your local hobby sport guy, he's doing his absolute best, uh, to, to staff people there and to have products that, that you want when you walk into that hobby store. And so as we really view our, our part is really just part of the pie in the larger global hobby, uh, which is really best characterized as an effort. Mm-hmm. This isn't, 
this isn't um, this isn't this isn't vacation for us, you know. Right. This, this is really a united effort to move the hobby forward, and uh, I think a, a bright spot. Not to sound all doom and gloom here, but a bright spot we've seen, as Tony, you mentioned, traveling to events. Um, Andre having gone to Flight Fest last last week. I mean, there is an uprising. There is a wellspring of new eyes, of new excitement around model aviation. It just takes a few a few people to curate that and to you know, to, to drive that home for it. I'm not able to go to these events. Mm-hmm. I'm stuck in factories seven <laughs> days a week. But but if I can do my part, you know, y'all can do yours, and right. we'll all meet each other sort of in the middle somewhere. I th- I think that's our conception of how this hobby is going to survive and 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 thrive one day again. Right. Uh, another question came in I thought was interesting. I think maybe Alpha we touched base on it briefly last time we had you on is um, and Tony you can jump in here too if you have any experience with this. What do you guys think about some of these newer foam uh, turbine jets that are coming coming out and people have been flying? Do you think it's something that we're going to see more of or is it yeah, you know uh, just a kind of a fad or have you guys even flown them or seen them but what do you think of them? I've seen them at my local field, and to be quite honest with you, as I mentioned earlier, you know, anytime we see any new products that you know bring a level of excitement and interest, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and I and I actually I think it's a great way. Instead of having to jump in, let's say a five to seven thousand dollar turbine jet, now you're into one for maybe two to three thousand dollars. So for mm-hmm. those who want to make turbines, yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea uh, for sure. Uh, Anything. I'm a fan of, of the hobby. So it, whether it be control line, free flight, I'm an old Cox 049 guy. I still dabble with me, get covered in castor oil yeah. on a regular basis. Uh-huh. So you know, for me, it's I love the nostalgia, but I also love what this technology is doing for taking people. Because um, the turbine world had been so untouchable for many years for a lot of people. I know it had been for me up until a few years ago. Right. And so to be able to, to draw folks into that next level at a reasonable price is, is fantastic. Right, right. Um, Alpha, this pops up every time. I've been kind of ignoring it the last couple of times you were on, but I guess I better throw it out there. Um, the, oh, where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, the OV10 Bronco. Every time we have you on, this comes up several times. So we just, you know, what do you think? Yes, no, we're working on it. I've thought about it. Where are we at? What did I say 10 months ago? Everything's coming. <laughs> yeah. That's probably one of our most popular uh, planes that pops up when we have you on, I think. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, it's interesting. You know, I'll say this. With every new aircraft, again, understanding we're not, we don't want to be the only making new aircraft, aircraft guys, but understanding that we sort of are right now. Um, <laughs> with each new aircraft, we see this, this, this current of, I really want this. I really want X, Y, or Z, A, B, C, one, two, three. Um, inevitably we don't don't please everybody. Uh, if one of the hints for project foil was, I said, some of you are going to love it. Some of you are going (laughs) to hate it. Um, and the very next day, a new thread will be created on hobby squawk asking, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we like being in that space. You know, is the OV-10, uh, it, it definitely has our, its vocal proponents. Shout out to our good friend, Charlie. 
it, it has its it has its very vocal proponents. Um, one thing I, I I try to step back and look at is um, am I are those ten people are those one hundred people are those thousand people however many it is are what what percentage of the larger voice are they? Um, and that isn't to say that we try and pick favorites and try and pick the one that's most popular. Um, it may sound, sound counter to business, but and maybe a surprise to your listeners. We, we don't always um, make our decisions purely based on which one we think we can sell the most of. Mm-hmm. In fact, we, we do which ones we think we can do the best of um, at that time. There's a reason why we did the Tomcat when we did and not right. sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have the knowledge base to get it to fly well. Um, as it ended up being able to fly. There was a reason why we didn't do the A-10 sooner. Um, We didn't have the the tech again to evaluate wing flex and all these other types of things that were very, very persnickety with that aircraft. There was a reason why the F-22 was was finished before the F-4. But we released the F-4 first, and we sat on the Raptor for almost a year. So... We hope our customers can appreciate that we try to make sh- we try to make the aircraft and produce the aircraft that we know are the best representations of them that we can make at that given time. If we can't, we wait. A4 is another great example. We did a 70 millimeter prototype initially, sat on that project for almost two years before we had finally um, gained some momentum and some understanding of our new 80 millimeter power plant. Scaled it up, made it an 80 a huge seller, one of our top three. Um, so what we've, what we've learned from the feedback of customers buying habits um, is sometimes different than their feedback in, in what they say they're going to buy eventually. So mm-hmm. now all that to say, we're going to make them all everyone, but we're right. going to make and, them when we and, know. And trust, and trust, I, I continue to beat the Vietnam era you know, drum a lot. Yeah. So, you know, trust me on that. If it's a Vietnam era model, uh, believe me, I'm banging that drum. Right. Uh, That's sort of the interesting point too. Tony brings up is that there are only so many left. Um, mm, when you yeah. really think about, it. I mean, look at our lineup, everyone. I'm yeah. there. I mean, unless they start making Italian Machis from world war two, you know, or a MiG three, which would be neat. We've done a lot of, of those sort of classic warbirds. When you look at jets, I mean, aside from really outlandish ones like B-58 Hustlers, there are only so many sort of single engine, twin engine, third, fourth, fifth generation fighters that one can do. So right. while well, we've noticed... Canadian birds, man, come on. <laughs> that's true, that's true. I've, I, I've, got you, I've got your snowbird coming, don't worry. Um, <laughs> Believe me, I, I wish we could do an arrow. I'd love to see a CF-1 what you yeah, voodoo? Even a voodoo. Yeah, there's 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 lots left. I'm not oh, saying yeah. there's five left. But if you look at the current rate at which we produce aircraft, again, we don't want to be the guys who do quantity. Mm-hmm. By the time you release an aircraft, it needs to tell a story. I don't want to sound yeah. cheap here, but nope. it needs to fit in the pantheon of our product lineup. We have to be able to say this is why we made it, this is why we think it's worth your consideration. Um, if we don't, if we think it, there's too much congestion in the pipeline or, or people are looking at other types of things right now, or there's something too similar to it, we'll wait. You know, there's, we're not in a rush to, to push things down people's throat. By the time they get there, we want them to say, 
that is not a half-baked OB-10. We want them to say, shut up and take my money. You know, <laughs> we, want them to, we want them to know that it's worth every penny. You know, it's uh-huh. money that cheap these days, everyone. Like, uh, I don't want anyone wasting money or, or second-guessing a purchase. So, yeah. One is right. Um, Tony, do you know off the top of your head, is the O2 Skymaster, is that the same as a Cessna 337? It is. I thought so. It's a a military version. Yes, correct. So, uh, I had this discussion with several people, uh, about a year ago or so, and that's one airplane that you really do not see, not that I've seen it anywhere, in the RC community, but I think we talked about, man, that would be a really cool, fun airplane to do uh for rc absolutely one of my favorite I, one of my favorite films when i was uh, when i first joined the air force was a movie called bat 21 with gene hackman which led to a uh yeah. a one-eighth scale ev66 that we did with our dear friend john morgan a few years ago uh-huh. and of course the 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 o2 skymaster was a big star in that film and i i always love the sound of the skymaster in the air and i know my friend uh, Lee Ray has been banging that drum for a while, hoping that uh, mm-hmm. the motion will do one, and I do as well. I mean, like yeah. the OB10, there's I, I'm a big fan of the O1 Bird Dog, the O2 Skymaster, the OB1 Mohawk. Uh, so yeah, it, believe me, uh, I've beaten those, that drum quite a bit, and I hope want a Mohawk. Yeah, <laughs> I hope in fact we the, the the company does tackle those in the future because yeah, uh, as Alpha said, there's not there's not a lot out there, but there's some great ones that still need to be done. I'd love to see a C one twenty three provider as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think our airlift guys and our tanker guys get overlooked a lot over the yeah. years, and I do something for them down the road. But you know, it's it's all about the timing. And there's obviously I'm not a businessman, but obviously the product has to sell worldwide, and that's not always the main driver, as Alpha indicated, but. Uh, you've got to move some products because if they sell well, then obviously you can reinvest that money into the next new one and it just keeps getting better and better. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm just glad I'm not in the business side of it. I, I love the fact that we, <laughs> we get to help the way we help and we get to keep the passion very pure. Uh, but I leave those guys to those big decisions and I just keep throwing the bug in their ear and dropping ideas and hopefully one day they come to fruition and there have been a few that have. So right. I'm pleased to yeah. be right done a lot. Yeah. Right. Done a lot. Um, I think uh, Tony's a good example um, Tony and Evelyn have been with Motion RC since since the beginning, and they're a good example. Not to get all sappy here, but they're a good example of what we they're they're why Motion RC exists. Motion RC was started. Mark and Tom had this idea, this this belief, really, that other that there are people out there like them who wanted not just a place that they could buy planes from but that there could be a community that people would want to pour into and that would pour back into them. Um, and there was sort of a concept between Mark and Tom of, of, of community really. And, and motion RC was constructed around community first. We were known for our customer service and beyond the customer service post sale, we're known for customer engagement. And we're, you know, I'm lucky. My team's lucky to have people like Tony and Evelyn and we have some some other people like George and Steve. We've who these are customers who put their time on both coasts. Vic, fun shout out to our friend Vic. Hope he's listening wherever he is right now. And we have these we have these people who who pour into the company, um, as Tony said, because to them this is 
this is hobby. This is family. This is fun. Mm -hmm. And which is great to have that combat separation. We're able to do the business side on my end of the pond, but still engage them at the customer level, honest, transparent, objective, um, you know, Tony and Evelyn, they're not on the payroll for anyone who's ever wondered, you know, we, I've tried to send these guys things and just, they, they, they're, these people are not on the payroll yet out of everyone in the world. Tony and Evelyn have given the most to motion RC outside of our employee base. Um, so we're lucky to have people like that and what it has done for us, not just in, in forming our, how we work and how we produce our, our products and how we have again constructed and oriented the, the company to serve people better. But it had also frankly opened up our eyes to really believe that there are more Evelyn's out there, um, that there are more Tony's out there, that there, that there's the captain Blages of the world, you know, that, um, <laughs> I think there's that, only that, one that, captain Blage. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. There's only one. But that, that there's them, that there's the flight test family, that there's that there's George and what they're doing at Tired Iron. We've they've sort of been a revelation to us in the past year. He's someone, uh, George Baker, someone who came into the hobby. I think it was three years ago. And mm-hmm. Evelyn's been in this hobby her entire life, and so we see again that the procession of people come to this hobby every day. And they fall in love with this hobby and they stay in it because not because of what I do, because of what any singular company does, but because of the community that they feel when they go to the, when they go to the latest event, when they go to uh, hobby squawk, when they go to your local flying field, you know, crash an airplane, have a good couple of laughs and come back again the next weekend. Um, it sounds like it's not rocket science. I understand it's incredibly more complex than that. But it's also very, very simplistic. It comes mm-hmm. down to each one of us just wanting to wanting to fly. So right, yeah. I, and I will I will say this real quick. I will say that it, it Alpha has a lot to do with it because as Chris, uh, we we're talking just before we start the podcast. You know, Evelyn and I was we were involved trying to help other companies uh, sort of spread the message about the good of this hobby. And in the early days, ten years ago, uh, especially as EDS are cranking up. A lot of people were having really poor quality equipment, right? They'd mm-hmm. get an airplane, a servo would be bad, or an ESC would die, and they'd be very frustrated. So when we turn up at, at events to help friends of ours in the community, the business side, uh, it was kind of hostile. It wasn't yeah. very welcoming. And mm-hmm. and Alpha and the Freewing team and, and everybody, Mark, Tom, the entire Motion family, has worked tireless, tirelessly to, to, tie, to try to get the best products in the hand of the customer so that your money is well spent and it's a good experience. And so now... When I get on a plane and I fly to Houston, Texas a month ago, or I go to Little Rock, Arkansas, wherever I go, people are flying these products and they're having a great experience. Every once in a while, a servo will burn out, a steering servo, something happens and they call customer service and they get the support they need. And that is the key. In the early days with some of the other companies that we've been helping out, um, not so much. The customer service experience was very bad and it's bad enough to get a product, show up at your door and something dies. It's even worse when you pick up the phone and you can't get a straight answer or anybody who can talk intelligently about the product you own. Mm-hmm. So uh, kudos to the entire team for really making the experience for the customer the best it possibly can be. I don't envy them because I'm sure some of those phone <laughs> calls aren't very nice. Um, but uh, you know, from what I'm seeing, at least in our travels around the country, uh, the experience for most of the people is really, really positive. And that it takes a lot of hard work to yes. fine-tune an airplane. I, I, will, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this, Alpha, but back when – 
the Bearcat was being released, we were seeing some issues with the retracts at the time. And they made the decision to stop, to not even put the airplanes on the water until they resolved the retract issue, which then would cost, you know, cost the money a little, it cost the company a little money out of their pocket, but they fixed the problem and they put them on the water. So it was, right. it was, you know, that was, that gave me even more of a sense of, okay, this is really um, the right team. Not only are we helping our friend Alpha, who we think the world of, but helping Motion as a family is just like, you know, this is a good thing. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we have to do that for any company. I go to events all the time, and if Horizon's there and one of their reps asks me to fly one of their planes, I'd be glad to do it. If I have a good experience and I'm on video, I'll tell them. Great airplane, fantastic. Yep. You guys should go out there and buy it. It's about trying to make sure that people who spend their hard-earned money have a good experience with the airplane. Kudos to the flight test guys because they're about the same thing. It's mm-hmm. whether or not you're building a foam board airplane, yes. you're spending 50 bucks, right. you're having a great experience. And that's what we need to continue to keep happening. Yep. Right. Or a Death Star. Or a Death <laughs> Star. <laughs> right. Giant Sea Dock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. Uh, <laughs> Tony, real quick, I know you talked about it earlier, but Chris Goodwin jumped in here and he was a little late. He says he has the F4 right now and he's looking to buy the F22, but he just wanted a real quick comparison. If he's flying the F4, what does he expect out of the F22? Some uh, differences. Yeah, so you're you're not going to see quite the speed out of the 22 uh, with the 6S setup as the F4, but what you are going to get is you're going to get an airplane that's extremely maneuverable uh, that can really slow down i mean this airplane crawls in with even the calm conditions i was flying a saturday and it was dead calm and with full flaps deployed and the angle of attack set to about 20 degrees nose high carrying a little bit of power <laughs> airplane it was you can ride the mains down the runway and then back just add a little power she jumps back off uh so that experience is fantastic the f4 slows down really nice nothing to take away from the the mm-hmm. phantom but this airplane is just so comfortable in the slow speed uh, configuration, as well as doing extreme maneuvers and having the power to get out of the maneuvers without you pulling a tight turn and thinking the airplane's going to dump out of the sky. It just powers its way through it. That's what I loved about Alpha was showcasing in his videos. He was able to do a Cobra maneuver and push and just see how he pushed the down elevator in the airplane and it just came over and leveled off quickly. Uh, it's got big control surfaces, big ailerons, big flaps big horizontal stabs and so whatever you want to do it'll do uh what's the advantage of the big control surfaces is if you get the airplane too slow you could punch the throttle and quickly have a big control surface to get the airplane to right again and back on track and on step uh not always the case with a lot of airplanes especially scale airplanes mm-hmm. yeah. very true very yeah the true. full flying stabs help us out with that a lot and how they're oriented as well um they 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 do exactly as Tony said. You can some of our videos show we're we're cruising at about twenty percent or so, and full power. You go straight up, and then cut power, full forward elevator, Cobra the the, the models back to level. It's like I don't want to fly fifty feet. I want to fly at hundred. Okay, I'm at hundred now. You know, yeah, <laughs> just right. up. And over, sort of like Mario Mario Brothers in a way, and how mm-hmm. and how vertical you can uh, you can get those maneuvers. And like Tony said, of all of our ninety millimeter aircraft, this has the lowest, um, really has the, the the widest and and I can say slowest stall envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. won't snap on you. Just it just it's almost impossibly slow. And now you can get the aircraft. So that's probably going to be the main difference someone will notice is it's 
slower capabilities versus his straight line speed. And, and as Alpha indicated, is that there is so much room in that battery compartment. I think I saw a picture the other day of somebody with two 6S5000s. Yeah, they actually fit side by side. So, I mean, <laughs> you, the great thing about the airframe, yeah, even this iteration and maybe future versions of version two or version three, with, as, as power systems get better, fans get better, batteries get better, mm-hmm. is that this airframe is really smartly designed to, you can expand it any way you want from, from 6S to 8S to even 10S. I would argue 10S. You could squeeze a 10S system Jeez. in that area. Wow. Uh, it, it, it can go, and I think it was a really smart decision on their part to put bearings on the on the pivot shaft of the elevator so that if you guys are really putting heavy equipment in it and yanking and banking hard yeah. mm-hmm. it's got a, a stab to handle the stresses of the additional weight right that's interesting so, oh alpha i have in my notes too i'm looking through and make sure i didn't miss anything uh real quick if you could talk about when i was reading through the the um about the F-22, in there it said if you were using full flaps to make sure you check the manual for the special mix. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, there's a one or one millimeter and two millimeter down mix. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's minor, but we, we try to make a, a point to call out those types of peculiarities on models in the product description mm-hmm. just because... You know, I don't know if you've heard that some people don't like reading manuals. <laughs> uh, I know, right? I know, I know none of us have, have never not read a manual. But, um, yeah, we, we put that in the product description just so people know. Okay. Oh, so, so so it's nothing special. It's more like a normal airplane, like, you know, if yeah, I'm yeah. flying, I put a little bit of mix of down elevator when I'm dropping the flap so it's not ballooning, right? Yeah. That's the, actually if you even needed it, but yeah, we okay. we, uh, we put it in there. I don't so think I, you I flew it, right, on, Yeah, I can comment on that real quickly. I put no mix in it at all, and I had yep. flaps set at four fifty degrees, uh, and never had to even mess with any mix at all. I just carry a little bit of back pressure in the stick mm-hmm. as I was powering through the descent, but that was it. I, I never saw. Matter of fact, as I deployed the flaps in half and full, I never saw a major pitch change in the airframe. Oh. Which was surprising. I expected yeah. to see in front pitch change. Not at all. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Yep. Yeah, as our buddy Mike Coolins always says, manuals are just somebody's suggestions anyway. So <laughs> yeah, they're they're, just, they're more like guidelines. Right. My favorite line. Yeah. Prior to the and I and I have to admit, there's many times now over the last uh, probably six seven months where I rarely crack open the manual and I watch a build video unless. It's like the early Evelyn sample, early sample we're doing for the Arizona Jets, and obviously I'll crack the manual over there. But a lot of times, a build video is it gives you much more information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I just I literally push play, hit pause, push play, hit pause, get the screws in, done, and I'm off and flying. Yeah. All right, last question, Alpha. Before we let you guys go, um, somebody wanted to know about pre-sales. Obviously, it sold out within 24 hours, so it it sounds like it's <laughs> doing very well. But is is it doing better than you expected, or or you weren't really sure what this plane was going to do, or what's the outlook on it's it? Well, a little too good, actually. We <laughs> we had ordered uh, that we had ordered enough to get to the holidays. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the good news is, um, well, the bad news first. The bad news <laughs> is, yes, our, our, we've got multiple shipments coming in. The very first was slated for arrivals. We sort of said mid de- mid-December. Right. They departed um, in, in late October. So we're really confident with that, uh, with that deadline. We're really keen, I think, at Motion RC. We don't want to take people's money until aircraft are on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 
So, so that's really what we just continued to do again with the F-22. We didn't let anyone know. We, we did the worldwide release after those first shipments had, had already departed. So um, bad news is that those have already been depleted. We are now into into sort of the bonus round, so to speak. Right. Um, but the good news is that those are still that uh, those shipments are still slated for, uh, as you had mentioned at the top. Uh, I think currently the website says December twenty sixth, sort of late yes. late December ish. Yes. Um, so so to anyone who's keen on getting one. I would encourage you to get to consider if you really want one, if you really want one, jump in. Obviously we've got a lot more coming down the pipe. And so if, um, if, if you're on the fence and don't know if you want one or if it's snowing outside, you know, there are, there are many other aircraft that we've got, or we are going to have more Raptors coming down the pipe as well. So you probably won't hear a lot of people tell you, you know, wait, but uh, most people are like buy it while you can, but actually, you know, as, as Tony knows, we're 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 the slow sellers here. So <laughs> not going to push anyone to, you know, not going to push anyone to buy anything unless they're absolutely convinced. What I will say is, we we made a concerted effort to put out a lot of media out for the F twenty two. Is one of mm-hmm. our experiments. We've got Stuart, we've got James, we have this media team here that that is really really good at producing content. Um, we've got Tony and Evelyn out there flying. We've been working with George and Steve on three D printed parts. So. Mm-hmm. My point is we tried to put together a lot of media for customers to look at, watch videos, watch the build videos, watch my flight videos, 15 minutes long, and just make an informed decision if this is an aircraft you want. Um, if, if you're concerned if it's too slow, if you think it's gray, if you think it's perfect, if it's everything you wanted, you know, whatever that is, I encourage everyone to check out the media we put it out there and, and hopefully that'll help you make the decision you want to make. Um, and then... I also want to say that we do have, I probably shouldn't say this, but we have insane sales going on right now in November. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had a lot of questions. Are, are the sales real? Yes, they're real. Are they going to last after? No, they're definitely not. Um, so we sort of have this every year. This year, especially, we wanted to just, I don't even know how we got to those numbers on some of those aircraft, but wow. check out our sale page. Um, if you're looking at an F-14, you're never going to see it lower than that price ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are a few other aircraft on there that I'll just say, um, if people are interested in looking at, you know, look at them just because we A6. don't really do sales. Yeah, they're that A6, exactly. We're really more the, the everyday low price kind of guys. Um, but, but this month is really an exception because we wanted to pay it forward to our customers for being so awesome these past six years. So awesome. check that out while you can. Awesome. Real quick, if you guys don't mind, uh, one thing I wanted to touch on on the F-22, since I was fortunate enough to uh, to put this airplane together and fly it, is that uh, when this model was sent to Evelyn, it was in the shipping pipeline for two weeks. And when it arrived at the post office, that box was beat up like you would not believe. And I honestly, when I went to pick it up, I thought, my gosh, oh, I don't no. think the airplane had made it. Mm. And I unpacked that thing, and I posted some pictures on RC groups of it, and the packaging – we don't, we don't talk a lot about packaging of, of our models, but boy, they did an amazing job of packaging that thing where when I unpacked it, there wasn't any damage at all, which was nice. a complete shock. Because mm-hmm. The thing looks like somebody dropped 50 pound weights on the box uh, multiple times. So kudos to the entire team for a great job with packaging, which I'm always, always marvel at the way they create those foam boxes to mm-hmm. put everything in there 
and keep it from not moving around. It's pretty awesome. Yes, I agree yeah. with you there. We've had and many the discussions. That. Yeah, the build time is really fast. There, you know, that's, a, that's the thing I think some people dread is when you get a new model, you think, how long am I going to have to spend putting the thing together? And honestly, it's it's a handful of screws for the, for the verticals, uh, a couple of screws for the wings, and then uh, a couple of, uh, what, one set screw and a collar for the stab. And then the linkages, it went together really fast. So uh, we're going to enjoy that part of it as well. I will make a point on the screws too, Alpha. If you design an aircraft, this is something to keep in your head for next for the next <laughs> round, something like the F-22 where you say, yeah, for transport, you may want to consider taking those wings off. It would be awesome if you set, included a spare set of wing screws because you know it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a really good idea. Because I, I, you know, I, I, I've got that A10, and the first thing I did was pick up some extra wing screws because I'm like, you know, I'm going to drop these on the asphalt at the field, and I'm going to be like, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> you know, they're yeah. little; they're not huge screws. So. No, yeah, just, an into, just an idea. I've gotten into a habit where I, where I literally, as soon as I pull the wing off, I try to put them right back in the mm-hmm. mount hole. Yeah, just a quick snug. That way, I don't worry about it. But yes, uh, a magnetic screwdriver. I, I, I learned that tip from Alpha, where I just take the tip and magnetize it. Yep. And, uh, and I've had that, that frustration as well as searching for one screw. Yes. <laughs> yes. The yep. shop the shop is a burlap carpet. And I tell you, when I renovate this place, that goes out. Because yep. every goes. other day on the floor <laughs> looking for stuff, I've got the smart and got the magnet. But it's still, it's like I, I, I think it was one build. I, I wasted like 20, 30 minutes looking for yes. one screw. You yeah. know? Andre, and, you made, and we're not getting any younger, so those reading no, eyes are yes. catching up with us. <laughs> it's getting back up too, right? You know? <laughs> I was. Uh, I just happened to be building a plane today and dropped a couple micro screws, and I was down on my hands and knees on the floor with my light and my phone and my magnet trying to find them. So, yeah, Andre makes a great point. There are some manufacturers that do supply some extra screws, and it, it, it does. Re- I mean, I honestly would pay $5 extra, even though if it only cost you a dollar extra to throw some extras in there it does help i mean whether you're you're building it or like tony said you're taking it apart and you're putting it together at the field and it's on the back of the truck and they drop off in the parking lot it's happened to everybody so that does make a big difference just a couple extra screws here and there well you've heard it here first consider the uh consider it good recommendation (laughs) good yeah appreciate that like that yep all right, folks, there you have it. Uh, I think we've spent a lot of time with these guys. Fantastic information on the F-22. Uh, if you're in the market for a giant 90-millimeter F-22, go check out Motion RC. You better hurry up and get your order in. They are pre-sale right now, so if you get in quick, it should be here somewhere around the 26th of December. Or if you're just looking for some insane, as Alpha says, insane sales right now at Motion RC. Go to motionrc.com, check them out, and you might be able to find something on there you really like. And, of course, as always, thank you, Alpha Enos, for joining us, giving us all the in-depth information on the F-22 and everything else that we throw at you. Uh, Thank you, Tony and Evelyn. You're more than welcome. Anytime you want to come on the show, uh, we have an open platform. Hit me up anytime. You're more than welcome, and we appreciate you coming on and giving us your uh, side of the F-22 and the detailed information. We appreciate that, and I'm sure our, our listeners appreciate that. So thank you for coming on. Thanks for having us on. It was a real treat, and we've been enjoying the show for quite some time, so this is really great to get to actually thank talk you. with you guys in person. Yes, Thanks for absolutely. The time. Thank you, and thank you for everything you guys do. Like I said, I've 
I've never really talked to you guys before, but I, I remember following you from years and years and years ago <laughs> of everything you guys have been doing and going to the shows and showing new products and pictures and everything. So uh, I know you've been around the hobby for a long time and you, and you guys are very passionate about it and, and it's great to see. So and and helping spread the word with everything in, in the hobby. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. You guys are doing the exact same thing. And I'm really, really proud of the podcast that we've been seeing over over the years promoting the hobby it's it's getting the message out there to folks and, yep. and you guys devote a lot of time and energy to it so thanks for, for your commitment thank you Appreciate that. thank you yep all right there you have it alpha enos and tony and evelyn curso hopefully i keep saying thanks, that room um thanks for joining us we will have them on again soon i'm sure you never know what elf is going to throw at us and say hey i got another new plane coming so uh i'm sure we'll be talking I'm to go him play soon. Five eyes, so i'm out of here <laughs> <laughs> so thank you guys we will be talking to you soon uh andre and i we're gonna talk a little bit of flight fest here uh real quick so but thank you for coming on and we will talk to you guys soon thanks guys all right Bye. take care have a good evening take care there you have it. Alpha, Tony, and Evelyn, uh, thank, we got to thank them guys for joining us here on the show. Uh, a lot of good information there, Andre. I, I That's, man, good stuff, good stuff yeah, on no Jets. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Uh, real quick, I know we're we're pushing time, and you're probably tired. And um, but we, I just wanted to touch base with Flight Fest a little bit. You were down in Texas for what five days or so? There you go. Uh, we got the Texas flag. Texas. Uh, you know what? That uh, for those who made the Texas Flight Fest, um, the running comment I had from a lot of people was, uh, especially for people who who work with me mm-hmm. in the Ohio one. Texas mm-hmm. was so relaxed. It was such an incredible. I mean, obviously, it's like you know one third the scale uh-huh. of um, of the uh, of the Ohio event. But it was just the crew. Everybody. There was so many. And so there were there were a lot of sneaky photographers who got a lot of photos of me actually smiling. So, but I mean, <laughs> and flying and flying. Uh, yes. Yes, there's one day I flew twice, twice in one day. So it was it was awesome. A couple of wings. Um, I did fly the flight test A10, which was uh-huh. pretty cool. The big one. That's running on the big one, wow. not the not the super big one. They've uh-huh. got a smaller one, but it was running on a CPAC 4S setup. You know, it's a very similar one I run on the Sea Duck, but it's a brand new CPAC and mm-hmm. like. Like 35 amp ESCs are like the size of the old 12s or 20s. Wow. It's crazy, some of mm-hmm. the stuff that's coming out. But that thing flew so well. Uh, my favorite moment, though, was it was the guys. I'm, we're actually helping Lane from Lane's Plane getting mm-hmm. his truck hooked up in the mud and everything. Yes, there was mud. It's not flight fest without <laughs> mud for whatever reason. And yeah, I get this radio call saying, you got to come fly, fly the E10. So um, Crafty Dan was flying it, and then Eddie was flying it. And... You know, the guys are flying around and I get this remote in my hands and they're like, okay, push it. So the first thing I do is just spiral this thing to the air, inverted flight, low passes, full throttle. They want to see what the ESCs were going to, and the motors are going to come down, how hot they were going to after a really good flight. So mm-hmm. amazing airplane, amazing airplane. Uh, it, it will be interesting. Um, everybody who sees the photos go, oh, it's prop versus ducted or, or EDF or something. Uh, Josh said they just haven't found the right power plant for it. Uh, EDFs mm-hmm. are really expensive and yep. it's kind of uh, pushes the outside of the flight test envelope. Like this plane, um, this plane will be expensive to a degree, but uh-huh. we're talking probably one third the cost oh, of, sure. of, this, of, of the similar scale. So yeah. really nice airplane. So they hope to find something. If not, you don't see the motors when you're flying a thing. 
Right. And it, it just it flew so great. It was you know Billy Lander, Chris. Wow. Right? So, yeah. Right. Right. But oh, that's uh, yeah, I flew the F eighteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I flew a wing. I got to fly. Um, uh, there was a little simple scout, and then there was a little. I flew one of the other gentlemen's. One of the other volunteers put his fun cup in my hands, and I just went flying with that. So it was great. You know, it was it was a really nice event. It was it it kept busy. The weather wasn't too bad. We did have to get boots and everything because it was money for by the end of Sunday. It was pretty tore up. But facility wise. We had two fields. The combats were crazy. Um, There's a couple uh, other people, uh, a couple other podcast guys and everything. It was just, it was a really good, relaxed event. I came home, you know, had a great flight home. Uh, Actually ran into Andy Chase. Andy uh, Mm -hmm. showed up at the airport in Chicago. So we had a quick (laughs) fight together and chatted, you know, and just really good, good, positive experience, you know? So, and then I come home to what? Minus eight snow. (laughs) I know. I know. Um, and also I see that the horizon hobby guys made the trek all the way down to Texas. Wow. Yes. So, so I got to hang out with Matt and crew. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, there's a there's a really good photo I posted of him flying, and he's he's got the uh, the Piper, and it is super windy. And then uh, uh, Jeff was flying the um, uh, the timber, and uh-huh. it, it was Chris. We would have been, you know, it was it was. I wish we had a high. I was there with a high wing, you know, uh, because the boys were there. Then they're yeah. just throttled in the wind and like planes are like within inches of each other crashing into each other because they're going up and down and left and right oh, wow. and just cub hovering yes yes that's what the michael rosnick just it just yeah cub hovering was the exact name for it it was amazing nice you know it was just uh and like i said i flew that that little 3s edf in that kind of wind and i was chasing bixler around while he was flying his a10 and just mm-hmm. you know yep it's just a good good positive experience and it was just it was nice to see everybody taking that relaxed attitude because mm-hmm. sometimes it gets a little too crazy and the, you know, yep. the combats were just gnarly. Yeah. And um, so it kind of maybe reminded you a little bit of the first flight test here in Ohio. 14, 15. Yeah. yeah. Danny, anybody was there who, who's done them 2014, 2015, very much. Uh, mm-hmm. And some of the, some of my absolute favorite airplanes are these profile. I'll, we'll put the links in, in the uh, rum builders, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I met a couple of those guys and they do a couple of podcasts and they're just, uh, they're the pink insulation, you know, the pink Panther yeah. half inch insulation and they had B 29s and B 17s. I don't think any of those airplanes went back home in mm-hmm. one piece. They, they were quite a lot of friendly fire and, and crashes wow. with them, but they were so awesome to watch. So, um, once I get my garage cleaned up, I'm going to try some hot wire cutting and, uh, and have a little fun building those. So, mm-hmm. uh, stay tuned for that kind of fun, those kind of shenanigans. Cause I think into the winter, you're going to see a little bit more scratch building out of the, uh, the old bench behind me and into the garage. So, right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So there you have it. Flight Fest, Texas. So you could see it going back there again, maybe possibly. I don't know what their plans moving forward. Uh, I think they're content with the Ohio and one flyaway, mm-hmm. but the venue, I think what we've established out of this experience is that the venue, if it's an established airfield, yep. seems to work just that little bit better than going to some of the other venues, which we're just like, you know, making it up as we go. Right. Um, so we're, uh, you know, so it, who knows what they're going to do for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, you know, I've had just a really good positive experience out of the whole thing. All the volunteers rocked it for me. Nice. Uh, and it's, it's funny to go to an event and have zero people come up to me and go, 
I didn't like this, you know, no complaints, no one cranky. Everybody was just happy to do it. I, and I even be walking around my t-shirt on and, and, you know, the, these kids will come up and say, Hey, my airplane's not quite flying right. What do you think it is? I'm like, Oh, look at your motor angle. You know, you gotta mm-hmm. be down into the left versus up to the right. Cause that's why you're flying crazy. Mm-hmm. So all things nice. like that. Good deal. Yeah, really good. Good, good, good to see it scale like that, and you know some sensible decisions were made, and we just had a good old time. Good. So, and then I came home and went back to work. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, good. All right, folks, a uh, couple other things, announcements we got coming here, but real quick, we got to give it up to getfpv.com. Thanks to getfpv, uh, they help make this podcast go and been helping us for a long time and helps us uh, bring your guests on. Um, so go check out getfpv.com. Fantastic. All your FPV and drone needs. Daily deals. Uh, go on there every day. They got some some kind of good deal. Uh, so if you're in the market for something, you know, but you're not in a hurry, keep checking back daily and, and you could possibly find it on sale. The great thing is free shipping on most orders over 60 bucks. And it's same-day shipping. Uh, everybody I've talked to, if you order uh, that day, normally in a couple days, it's at your doorstep, which is fantastic. No more waiting a week or week and a half or anything like that. And I know we have a lot of international listeners, so they now offer DHL shipping, international shipping, DHL. So you're not waiting two weeks for your package. You're going to get it. So go check out getfpb.com for anything drone or fpv related and the best part about it is if you go order a hundred dollars please use our discount rc after hours and you get 10 percent off your entire order so go check them out get fpv.com we have links on our facebook page uh, if you want to uh, you're not real sure about anything or if you want more information on anything fpv or drone related go check out their site get fpv.com slash learn and it has all the information on there if you're wondering about what to buy or what to get or how it works or anything like that. So get FPV.com. There you have it. Um, also, real quick, uh, we have lots of podcasting coming up. Uh, we're going to have a, another podcast back-to-back. We will be podcasting Sunday. Uh, it's uh, going to be a big one, I think. Um, I can't say much about it till probably middle of the week when we know more and I can post it. But if you're looking at the live video, you might have an idea what we're going to be talking about. Uh, so keep checking back on our Facebook page uh, probably towards the middle of the week, and we'll have more information on that. But we will be podcasting Sunday, and it's going to be a big one. Uh, we still have Matt Andron coming up. Um, still going to check with Chad Capper and maybe a couple other guests. So we got lots more coming up. Um, we thank you for joining us, um, uh, on this late evening podcast. It's been a good time. Um, anything else, Andre, that we needed to add? Not really. We'll talk about all the new products and everything. Anybody see the new Delta Ray? We'll have to talk about that yes. next show and see what everybody thinks about that revision. Yes, we'll, we will talk about the new Delta Ray. Lots of stuff coming up, uh, so stay tuned. And again, remember, we will be podcasting back-to-back this Sunday. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we'll get Mike back in here. I think he might have got a deer or so, so maybe we can get him back in here soon and out of the tree stand. So we'll see. But uh, I think that's it, Andre. We're out of here. Yep. All right. Thanks for joining me. We will talk to everybody soon. See you later.